Welcome back to Culture Bucket for your ninth episode. Wow. Yeah, exciting times. I'm George, your host, and with me is Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Am I not a host as well? I said, I said you're my host, didn't I? I said with me is my host. Sorry, co-host. You're my co-host. We're both hosts. Oh. Um, but we're not. Yeah. So, how are you today, Alex? I'm uh, very excited about this episode. Very happy. Fantastic. How are you? So am I. I can't wait to talk about things. Me too. It's going to be a long one, yeah. I think. Uh, it could be. So strap in. <laughs> strap in for Culture Bucket. Okay. We're going to start with Culture Catch-Up time. Uh, who's going to start talking about culture first? I can start. This is Culture Catch-Up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Okay, go. Yes. Okay, so um, I want to talk about uh, a few things, three things today, if that's okay. okay. So, yep. you know, I'm obsessed with the director Hirokazu Koreeda, and we talked about him. I'm aware of this. Uh, yes, and we talked about him. Uh, in the episode where we did the top five movies or top five films, depending yes, which you, country. You talked about our little sister. Yes. So he's a, a Japanese director, directed some of my favorite movies or films. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And yes, please. Um, he, uh, last year, he moved from Japan, Japanese cinema, no. to French cinema. And he did a film in French. With French actors called The Truth. Yes. So he directed, okay. yeah, amazing. A Japanese director that goes to France to direct a French film. Amazing. Um, and it's written and directed by Hirokazu Koreeda. And it has an incredible okay. cast um, Catherine Deneuve, uh, Juliette Binoche, Ethan Hawke is in it. Oh, yeah. Which I haven't seen oh, Ethan Hawke in such a long time, and um, <laughs> where has he been? But he, I actually, uh, he was in some good horror films. Okay, but I don't, I don't, you know me, I don't watch horror films unless you're next to me. That's the only time yeah. I watch horror films. Um, Fair enough. And uh, yeah, it's uh, like most of Corrida's films is about family. And uh, it's uh, the story of this um, actress uh, played by Catherine Deneuve uh, that um, she has just written a book about her life. And um, it starts with her giving an interview and then her daughter and her husband, uh, Juliette Binoche and Ethan Hawke, uh, arrive from America to go and visit her. And in theory... Uh, Juliette Binoche's character wants to read the book before uh, the book is published but the mother does not wait for her and so um, it's a story about 
memory and uh, family and how problems between families. So Juliette Binoche reads this book and she's like, I don't remember this. You'd never did this to the mother. Uh. And But the more the film unfolds, the more you realise how he works on how our memory is very... Uh, in what our memory is our memory so we remember what we want to remember uh, yeah. it's very like an individual thing and then uh there's a conversation towards the end between the mother and the daughter because from the start you know they're not getting along they don't get along it's just uh maybe it's about three four minutes of just the, them talking but and you just realize how memory is such a thing that you i remember this but maybe things happen in a different way and it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Really lovely. Incredible uh, acting from all the characters in it. Really, really good. Really, really good. And hmm. uh, yeah. The truth. The truth. Koreeda has... Sounds a bit... Put it in the bag, <laughs> smashed it, di- he's, delivered. He's <laughs> done it again. He's done it again for me. I don't know, personally. That crazy Koreeda has only gone and done it again. I know, but because also, like, he's so Japanese... In his um, in his how he directs and how he writes, that I I was so skeptical that he wouldn't be able to translate in French cinema, but it did. Yeah. It delivered, and it it was a French film. It wasn't Koreeda. It wasn't. Okay. It just beautiful. Uh, so definitely something to watch. Uh, the truth. Okay. And then how many killings? Eh. How many killings? Five out of five. Is that it? killings? I don't know what killings is. <laughs> You know, how many people are killed in it? Oh. Oh. Zero, <laughs> actually. Uh, <laughs> damn. I was thinking, Did it, does anybody die? No, nobody dies. Sorry. Oh, fair enough. And then mm. um, I watched a film called Harriet, uh, which, uh, is, oh, okay. which is uh, the biopic. Uh, would it be the biopic? Yeah, of Harriet Tubman. Of Harriet Tubman, um, which came out last year, I think, in uh, 2019. Um, Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's the biopic of Harriet Tubman, which is uh, an American... uh, Oh, this is going to be hard for me to say. Abolitionist. Yes? There we go. Abolitionist. Abolitionist and activist. And uh, she um, was enslaved... Uh, in Maryland in the 1800s and then manages to escape and then goes back to save her family and many other people after that. Um, The reason I watched this film, I didn't know anything about Harriet Tubman, but I watched an episode Mm. of Drunk History. Yes, I've seen that. And and I was like, how do I not know about this woman? So yeah. I watched Drunk History and uh, I learned so much from Drunk History and I want to open a bracket here. I can't believe we don't study these things in Europe. History is so intertwined between like countries. European history is intertwined so much in American history. And I can't believe I yeah, didn't know cause... until like, my age now who Harriet Tubman was. Mm. I think it's... Yeah, it's fascinating. We learn about people like Martin Luther King, don't we, in Rosa Parks, yeah. but not further back kind of in the genesis of uh, no. emancipation and ab- abolitionism. So. It's like Europe wants to say, well, we had nothing to do with it, which is not true. <laughs> but it just, I I didn't know anything. And then you realise how little you know about 
well, you know, there was a, a civil war, but who fought in the civil war? Yeah. yeah. And let's go back to Hamilton and... Uh... Yes, please. Yes, please. Oh, bit of Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. In fact, but also, um, so the cast is really good in this film. I know, close yeah. bracket, I think, well, before closing bracket, <laughs> I think we should study all of the history, all of it. Like, yeah. all of it. I'm sure we can, because if I can watch a 10-minute video of drunk history and learn about Harriet Tubman, I'm pretty sure they can put all of the history in the um what they call the things in school that you the curriculum curriculum. thank you Mm. very much you're welcome close parenthesis uh but yeah uh so the film stars uh cynthia erivo as um harriet um she's an and she was oscar nominated wasn't she? yes because she is amazing and she's british Mm. like a british actress doing a southern like Acts are beautiful. Then there's Leslie Odom Jr., which is, you know, from hey! Hamilton. Uh, yes, please. Very good in it. I saw him. It's like, Hamilton, yeah. Uh, I still haven't yeah, watched Aaron it Yeah, Aaron Burr, baby. Yeah. Uh, and then there's um, Joe Owen, which I've never seen him before, or Alwyn. Uh, he's another British actor, and he's um, he plays uh, the son of uh, the plantation person okay yeah uh and then there's clark peters uh which i you saw in I know that, that, that five bloods and uh, yes yeah. and lots of amazing actors and also janelle monet is in it amazing when i saw her, i didn't know she was in it and when i saw it, i was like oh my god i love i love this film just because of her yeah, but yeah. i i really enjoyed the film because well, I like the story of Harriet. I think she's an amazing person. and um, But I thought it was really well done because uh, when you watch films about uh, uh, slavery, you, 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 not, not that this shouldn't be seen, but you see a lot of the brutality of the white person um, yeah. and the action of the person like being tortured or something like that. But in this mm. film... For me, it focuses more on the strength of Harriet and the people that were helping uh, to to save the enslaved. So yeah. I really and you could see the brutality, but not the action of the brutality. You could see the scars after. So you, yeah. you see what happens to Harriet, and you see what happens to other people. But you 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 focus more on the the strength and power and passion and of the people running away, especially like Harriet. Yeah. So I thought, I think that's what I enjoyed about it. And I read a few reviews and they said maybe it was a little bit, uh, maybe not strong enough, but I think, mm-hmm. I think that's why what I appreciate, cause I appreciate the fact that they weren't trying to make this kind of, uh, white person beating the people, but it was just about the people reacting and running away. I don't know. Yeah. Because I suppose there's plenty of films where you can see sort of that brutality. Yeah, it's interesting maybe to focus on the strength of the people who were rising up and escaping and exactly freeing themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was really good. Um, but yeah, so I enjoyed that film. Have you have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. 
Um, I probably should watch it because I'm yeah. I all I know about it is I remember her getting nominated for an Oscar and people saying she was great, but the film wasn't brilliant. But obviously, mm. you have a different perspective, which is good. And the song they performed a song from it at the Oscars, yeah. which was e- excellent. Yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah, and is it, does she sing the song? Yeah, is it Sim- she sings the song. Yeah. yeah, well, fantastic job. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, but. No, I should watch it, but I haven't seen it. What a woman. What a woman. Like, just... Oh, yeah, I have seen the Drunk History episode, so I know about... <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. that that's where you learn stuff. I know, it, but... I know. And I I have to reach the age of my mid-30s to find out about Harriet Tubman. Yeah, and, and it just got cancelled, actually, Drunk yeah. History. They're not making anymore. Yeah, I know. And so I, I, I went on a binge. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a binge the other day. I think I watched so much Drunk History. I love it. Um, I think it should become a YouTube channel, really. They should just do it on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Although, it's it, well, I think it's the, the actual bit where the person's getting drunk and telling the story, that's really cheap to do, obviously. But then the actual, when they reenact the stories, mm. that's incredibly expensive. So yeah. maybe they could just do it as a YouTube channel where they're just drunkenly having conversations about history. Yeah. That, that would still be funny. I mean, but then the reenactions are hilarious. Oh, they're, the be- oh, they're so funny. That's yeah. so funny. And I, I, and it, I just love the more drunk they are, the better it is. It's yep. just so good. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, did. definitely a, um, a watch. Uh, and then I would like to talk about a book I finished. Okay, go. Go. Thank you, G. Uh, which welcome. is called uh, The Five, uh, which Ooh. is the untold lives of um, Jack the Ripper's victims. Ah, uh, uh, okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a but I haven't read it. Book uh, written by Haley uh, Rubenhold, and uh, it talks about uh, the five women that were brutally killed by uh, Jack the Ripper, and um, it's interesting because we know a lot about Jack the Ripper and all the conspiracy theories of who he was, how he killed them, and the gruesomeness of it, but. We yep. don't know about the women he killed, and mm. um, if you if you go now on Wikipedia page in in the Wikipedia page, it says Jack the Ripper killed five prostitutes. Uh, first of all, they were not all prostitutes, and being a prostitute yeah. is not, in a way, they used uh, there were five prostitutes, so they diminish the fact that they were murdered because prostitutes don't count, which is totally yeah. It's like the the thing of the less seen dead, isn't it? Exactly. And yep. first of all, if he killed five prostitutes, that's as bad as if he killed anyone. So the thing yep. that they always specify there were five prostitutes is horrendous because whatever whatever you decide to do in your life, you, you don't you shouldn't be murdered by a, no, a no not unless you're not unless you're murdering people. But obviously, that's not what yeah prostitutes do. And and also, they were not all prostitutes. And uh, they were found in the streets. So in Victorian era, if you were found in the streets, you were not a good woman. But mm. these these women were born in such hard times. They were born in absolute poverty. And whatever they found to make money, it might have been like in um, being a servant, uh, being... Well, any job and even prostitution, but they were not necessarily just prostitutes. They were women. They were mothers. They yeah. were sisters. 
they were daughters. Uh, it, it's yeah. an amazing book because it just portrays the hardship of these women. So every chapter is a, um, a chapter is dedicated to one of the women. And, uh, and it's really interesting because all women came, had different lives, but they all had a hard life. They were all, were, they were all poor women born in the Victoria, Victorian era. And mm. uh, it, and they had no, in a way, no way out. They, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, there was one that was an alcoholic uh, there was uh, one that came from another country. One of them wasn't even English. Uh, one of them was trafficked. It, it's it's an amazing story of these women, and she manages to write a book through a very, very all the small the little informations that she found from maybe birth certificates, marriage certificates, um, working houses, um, logs. Working houses were places where people stayed, which were absolutely dire. And so yeah. sometimes people, instead of going to these working houses where there were places where you could go and sleep and then you had to do some work for them, instead of going yeah. in there because they were like riddled with everything, pe some people preferred to stay on the streets. But yeah. if you were on the streets, then you were a, a prostitute. If you were not married, yeah. you were a prostitute. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's amazing. And what I really like about it is that she gives no time to Jack the Ripper. She, yeah. she talks about, she writes about from the beginning of their life to the, the 10 minutes before or the night before or sometime before they died. Yeah. But she does not acknowledge him. Because I yeah. think he's been acknowledged enough and we don't even know who he is. He has never been persecuted, persecuted, prosecuted, not persecuted. persecuted. <laughs> he's not a witch. He's never been prosecuted. <laughs> Maybe he was a witch. Maybe he was Maybe a witch. Maybe Jack the Ripper. This is the latest conspiracy theory on Jack the Ripper. He was a witch. Oh, yes. So from Culture Bucket, he was a witch. Um, we have evidence he was persecuted as a warlock. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, so it, it just, uh, yeah, so he's never prosecuted, but we know a lot about him and we had given no time to the women because they were just prostitutes, prostitutes or not, they were women. Mm. Nobody should kill anyone. And the yeah. reason, and also they were ne not necessarily prostitutes by choice. They were yeah. prostitutes because of the dire conditions they were put in from birth. Because a woman yep. was supposed to get married and make as many babies as she could with no support from the state. Uh, it's, uh, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Uh, it's it's a definitely, I think, a book to read. Um, it's really, really interesting. Mm. Yeah, It does sound interesting. Mm. Uh, and I like, you know, there's plenty of places to go to if you want all the salacious details about what he did. Yeah. So it's good to have their voices heard or their stories told yeah. um, by someone. Because yeah. they've been so unheard for over 100 years. 130 years we've been talking about Jack the Ripper and not about these women. Yeah, yeah, it's, def I, yeah. it's not a book that I would usually read. But I, I, I thought... It'd be interesting to know about some like the the other side of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so um no, it's good. Good book to read. I would recommend it. 
And yeah, for me, that's my culture catch up for this week. Uh, okay. How about you, Mr. G or Monsieur okay. G? <laughs> I've got a few things to talk about. Firstly, music. I don't know if you've been listening to this at all, but I've been hammering an album that I did not think I would be listening to at all in 2020. And it is the new album by The Killers. I haven't listened to it. Sorry. I know uh, you told me to. And I completely <laughs> forgot. Because I've been, I've been listening to Run the Jewels nonstop and Rage Against uh, the Machine. <laughs> okay, well, that's a pretty good shout so, as well. Um, <laughs> so that's a shout out for Rage Against the Machine. Please come back. I love you. I forgot how much I loved you. Yeah, well, they kind of were coming back and then the world ended and now... Hopefully they'll 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 still Please come back. Please come back, Zach. But, um, yeah, they were doing a big tour where when the jewels were supporting. That would have been. Oh, crazy I would, I would, I would travel anywhere for that. Yeah, Corona, yeah, exactly. not Corona, because oh my goodness. But anyway, Sorry. enough about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been pretty eye rolly about the killers for years. Ever since I heard Mister Brightside for the ten thousandth time. Yeah. In, uh, I don't know, 2008 or whatever, um, I've kind of stopped bothering listening to them. But, and they've done a few albums that I've just not listened to at all, but then the new album came out and it's called Imploding the Mirage, which is a weird title and I don't know really know what it means. And the album art looks like, the it's a painting that looks like you a kind of painting you would see on a cheap hotel wall, in my opinion. And I was very much not interested in listening to this album. But then my brother told me it was pretty good and I saw so it got good reviews. So I had to listen to it. It's incredible. It is easily the best thing that they have ever done, this album. It sounds like it's like proper Americana rock and roll. It sounds Ooh. like kind of Bruce Springsteen-esque stuff. Um, they've got some guest stars. Katie Lang is on a song called uh, The Lightning Field. Katie which Lang? Is such an am- Katie Lang, wow. yeah, exactly. Uh, this great song called The Lightning Fields, which mm. is such a awesomely evocative title and then a couple of tracks later they've got a song on this album called my god which features an artist called ways blood who's quite new she did an album last year called titanic rising uh, that was on a lot of end of year lists for being the best album of the year Mm. and stuff like that and i tried listening to it and i never really got into it but i'm definitely going to give it another try she's very sort of kate bush-esque almost Um, and she's on this song called My God, and oh my God, it is the song. It's not the song of the year, because that's Chinese Satellite by Phoebe Bridges, but <laughs> it is almost the song of the year. It is the song of the summer. I've, I I went on a walk and just listened to it about 10 times in a row on repeat. It is so very good. Anyone who hasn't heard My God by The Killers, please, please go and listen to it, because I can't get enough of that song. And then the album as a whole is really good. But yeah, oh, My God has got these... Because it's got a song called The Lightning Fields. Mm. Um, and then a couple of tracks later, you got this song, My God, where the drums are blown out and they sound like thunder in the distance. And it's oh, it's so it's, it's <laughs> like driving at night in a storm. And I love it. So, wow. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I didn't think I would ever like a Killers album, but this one is great. And actually, I looked it up and it is their highest rated album ever on uh, Metacritic. It's even more highly rated than the, the debut, which, which people love. So I think it's uh, mm. done pretty well for them. And yes recommended definitely um, i've also prob- been listening Sorry. to oh go on no no, no the go, problem go, go, with go. the killers is like you said before they are overplayed yes they were overplayed in england i remember just going no no more no, <laughs> no more ki- i don't no, want to see your face i don't want to hear your voice and so i just when i see them i'm like oh no i can't i can't yeah 
because yeah, in England they exactly. just—I don't know if they're the same. Because they are they American or English? They're from like Las Vegas, but they're definitely bigger here in the UK <sighs> than in America. They are beloved in the UK. Beloved. So every radio station, if you worked anywhere, it will always it will always have the killers. And uh, yeah. so maybe that's why you, when you told me the other to. day, I was like, oh, no, I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And any nightclub you go to, it doesn't matter what genre yeah. it is. If it's an indie club, a rock club, a dance you go club, to a they're rave, all going to play Mr. Brightside. Yeah. <laughs> Snakes under the sea. Oh, da, 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 blood, da. No. But no, check out that album, Imploding the Mirage. I've also been listening to Idols quite a bit in preparation for their new album dropping at the end of September. I cannot wait. It's probably <laughs> going to be out by the time anyone hears this, so go and listen to Ultramono by Idols. It's definitely brilliant, even though I've not heard it. Oh, um, that's a big <laughs> statement. No. Well, the, it's Idols, isn't it, Alex? I... So it's going to be the best album of the year. Even David um, Bowie has done bad albums. Who's done bad albums? Even David Bowie. Well, he's, well, yes, but this is their third album. Okay. So their early days still, they've still got a lot of creative fire behind them and they've put out four singles and they are spot on. Okay. And they did a live, they did some live sessions this week from Abbey Road that were fantastic. Um, except for when they covered the strokes, that was a bit of a misstep. But uh, we all make mistakes. We do. We do. So, yeah. Um, what else have I done? I read a book. I read a book this week. Oh, you read a book. I read a book. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh. And you're looking like you recognise that, and it's probably because they've just put out a film yes. based on it. Okay, yes. so I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, so the Netflix film came out this week mm. for when we were recording it, So, and it was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich okay. back in the day, mm. and he wrote Adaptation with um, Nicolas Cage, which is a good film. So I knew that I would want to watch this film and I saw that the book was only like 200 pages. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and, and read that um, because so that I'm prepared. And the book is really, really good. It's by Ian Reid. Mm. It's really short. It's like about two, three hours to read it all the way through. And it's about this girl who goes um, with her kind of newish boyfriend to visit his parents for the first time on their farm. Mm. Uh, and you, it's a lot of it is through her in a monologue and it kind of starts with her talking about how she's thinking of ending their relationship and she's not sure why she's gone on this trip with him. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the farm and it just gets stranger and weirder and darker and creepier until the ending where it has this twist that um, I've definitely seen done before, but still works really well. And then the film came out and I watched the film uh, on Friday when it when it dropped on Netflix and it is crazy good it's oh. slightly too long it's two hours and 50 minutes long and it could be two hours long mm. it doesn't have to be over two hours i don't think yeah there's a couple of quite long sections where they're driving in a car mm. and having a conversation and a lot of what is contained within those conversations is incredibly clever and well done but it's sort of it does i don't think it needs to kind of do that for mm. quite as long as it does but it changes <clears throat> it makes the book has an ending that's very much like this is what's happening this is what's going on and then the film um doesn't change that but it makes it a bit more abstract in a way that i really liked and uh kind of leaves it a bit more up to your interpretation Mm. um and has some real charlie kaufman-esque kind of flights of fancy going in there he wrote eternal sunshine of the spotless mind do you remember that yes 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 so 
this feels like because this plays with memory quite a bit and stuff, ah, and okay. it feels like the darker sibling to Eternal Sunshine mm. of the Spotless Mind. It feels like a kind of it, like the mirror image almost of that film. Um, wow. So I'd recommend it, and I'd recommend the book as well. What else to talk about? Uh, I've I've watched a few films since we last spoke, Alex. Okay. Yes. So I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I want to talk about a handful. Such as I watched a film. I watched a film that you should watch called The Love Witch. Okay. The Love Witch came out in like 2017. It is a film, kind of. It gets lumped in with horror films. It gets called a horror film, but mm. it. I don't think it's a horror film at all. But it's kind of. It's directed by a director called Anna Biller. I think it's a second film, and it took her, I think, seven years to make it because she was so specific about how she wanted all the sets to look mm. and all the colors. And it's got this bright, it's brightly lit Technicolor all the way through as if it's from the 60s, you know, kind of Mm, 60s Hitchcockian thrillers like Vertigo. It looks like one of them, but it was made recently and the characters will have self, uh, mobile phones, I'm talking Mm. like an American, characters have mobile phones and act as if, but, but everyone sort of talks in this very staged way intentionally so as if they're in a film from the 60s and it looks like they're in the 60s but Mm. then they'll have a mobile phone so you're not really sure where it's set it's about this uh woman who practices love magic who who moves uh to a new city and sort of starts dating men and they can't handle their emotions and it, it it's sort of a serial killer film turned on its head and it's also it's kind of looking at how men and women act in relationships Mm. And flipping those relationships around to kind of show how absurd it is the way women are sometimes represented as being quite hysterical. It kind of shows men behaving like that to kind of, I think, to show kind of how silly it is that that's often how women are represented in films. It's a fascinating film. It's super feminist, I think. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't view that as a negative. But it's, it's definitely not a negative. Like that's, it kind of has something to say mm. that I think is really interesting, and it's beautiful to look at. And um, yeah, yeah, I would big big recommend for the Love Witch. I love the mo- movie poster. I'm just looking yeah, at it. Beautiful. Everything about it is gorgeous. There's a scene where she turns up in her apartment, and the person who's showing around her apartment is kind of showing around. They're both wearing kind of not normal clothes, but relatively like standard clothes. Mm. And then she says, oh, I want to go for lunch. And she's like, oh, I know a nice tea room there. Do you want to go? And they go, yeah. And then it cuts them in the tea room. And suddenly they're both wearing the brightest pink with these huge <laughs> hats. And they're in this room where everyone in the room is wearing the same shade of pink. And it just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the Love Witch. And if you don't like horror films, still give it a go. It often gets lumped in with horror movies and gets put in the horror section. It really is not a scary film. It's just a fascinating film. What else to talk about? I watched a uh, I watched a Bay of Blood, which is an Italian giallo movie uh, from I think it's from nineteen it's from the early seventies, directed by Mario Bava. Okay, and is mostly interesting because it's essentially Friday the Thirteenth about a decade before Friday the Thirteenth was made, and there's two kills in it that are literally taken shot for shot, basically from <gasps> like and put in Friday the Thirteenth. No. They just copy it directly. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's a crazy good film. Okay. Uh, it's like an hour and 20 minutes long, and it's it's definitely worth checking out if you're interested in Jally. proto slasher movies, jelly <laughs> movies, jello movies. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie called Kill List, which is an awesome film. I don't know. We've got no time, no time. There's no time for though. all your killing. Why do you keep watching things where people are getting killed? 
I like films like that. I watched a movie <laughs> on YouTube. Okay, there's a film called Lake Mungo. It's an Australian movie. And it's so... Like, the director who made it has only made that film and not made anything else. And it's vanished. You can't get it on DVD. You can't... It doesn't stream anywhere. The only place I've been able to find it is YouTube. It's all... The whole film is up on YouTube for some reason. And it's a found footage movie... Uh, kind of made up of interviews with people about this girl who dies um, called Alice Palmer, a reference to Twin Peaks, which we'll discuss later. Ah, yeah. Um, and she dies and her family start to think that they're being haunted by her and it's all this footage. It's done like a fake documentary of them talking about this haunting. Mm. And it's a really creepy, scary, strange film that if you like films like The Blair Witch Project or stuff like that mm. and you have never heard of it or seen it, Go on YouTube, look it up and watch it. It is awesome. Alex, I put my mask on and I went to the cinema. Yeah. Did you go to the cinema? I went to the cinema. No. I know. (gasps) It was... Yeah. Wow. But I wore a mask the entire time. And it was, well, I don't want to say it was worth it, but I enjoyed what I saw at the cinema. Was there social distancing? Uh, Yeah, there was. There was was hardly anyone in there. I was with my brother who I was in a bubble with at the time. And that was I didn't go in there anyone else. Good. I think it was I think it was safe, as safe as we can be at the moment. Yeah. I saw the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. Oh yeah. Yes. Starring John David Washington, mm. uh, who is a fantastic actor in his own right. He is also the star of Black Klansman, which is a fantastic movie by Spike Lee. And he is also happens to be Denzel Washington's son. Um so Is he? He is, yes. So Hollywood royalty. What? How did I, I not know, know that? <laughs> Same surname. I just didn't think about it. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's he plays a sort of secret agent who, uh, at the start, gets kind of pulled into this international conspiracy that involves kind of a sci-fi twist with time kind of being reversed in certain places. He goes up against a villain played by Kenneth Branagh doing a, a silly Russian accent, but but it works. <laughs> And he is assisted by Robert Pattinson playing Neil, who kind of helps him out in a few scenes and is awesome in the movie. It makes me so excited to see his uh, Batman when that finally comes out. Well, he's got coronavirus, hasn't he, now? Yeah, apparently he has. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, he'll be fine. Yeah. Or he will be. Um, But yeah, it's gotten a few quite sniffy reviews. There's a lot of reviews saying it's too sort of dour, it's not fun enough, da-da-da-da-da. I absolutely loved this film. Five stars from me. It is Christopher Nolan's Bond movie. And, well, we don't all know on the podcast necessarily, but Mm. I am a huge fan of James Bond films. And it feels like, even though it's got this sci-fi twist in it that's not James Bond at all, the rest of it just feels like you're watching a masterpiece James Bond movie to me. And I, I just adored it. The set pieces are crazy. The scene where they crash a plane, like a huge jet, like jumbo jet, cargo carrier plane into a hangar mm. and i had read that there was only like 300 visual effect shots in the movie so there's hardly any cgi in the movie most of what you see on screen happens for real and i was like they can't have done that for real i looked it up they did they brought a plane and they genuinely drove it across this car park full of cars and crashed it into a hangar because <laughs> it was it was cheaper to do that than to try and fake it supposedly is what he decided wow. um because all this stuff was going to be destroyed anyway I, I don't know but it's it looks amazing. It looks so good, and the action set pieces are, are great. And um, yeah, Tenet, please, please give it a go. And then, breathe. 
Calm down. There's one more film I want to talk about, and it's called The Devils. Have you heard of The Devils? No. No. <laughs> the Devils is from 1971. Mm. It was written and directed by Ken Russell, who is a, an iconic British filmmaker who sadly passed away now. And it is based on the true story of a 17th century French town called Loudon, where, how to describe it, there was a priest in this village called Urban Grandier, who was kind of a rock star priest, or at least in the film is portrayed as like a rock star priest, who sort of is sleeping around with a bunch of women and doing his own thing and not really behaving very priestly, but is also protecting the interests of the village because I think in this time in France, um, a lot of kind of settlements were fortified and kind of acted as almost independent states. Mm. And then the Cardinal Richelieu wanted to kind of open it all up and have a united France that was run by church and state kind of thing. Mm. So he sends somebody to go and tear down the fortifications in Loudon and Urban Grandier goes, no, I will not have it. And in the film is played by Oliver Reed giving this insanely good performance, this crazy, crazy performance that's so good. And um, kind of puts a stop to it and they find out that this there's this convent of nuns and there's a nun in this convent who has kind of fallen, seems to have fallen in love with Urban Grandier and kind of it drives her mad with desire and jealousy and to a point where she, she kind of starts to claim that he's possessing her. Oh. And then all of the nuns in this convent, it's like this mass possession and this enor- in real life this happened and this enormous exorcism had to be performed. Mm. And this priest, who had never even met these nuns at all, ended up being prosecuted for possessing them and was um, burned, killed at the stake. Um, it's, it's a kind of wild story. And the film of it, adaptation, is um, super controversial, mm. has been banned for years. The full uncut version isn't available to watch anywhere. The director's cut um, has only been like screened a few times at festivals and the studio Warner Brothers in America won't allow it to be properly released. So you can only really watch it. I had to get it on DVD. And because wow. of all these things about it being cut and censored and controversial, I always kind of assumed it would be quite a small film or quite, you know, like a, a gritty, mm-hmm. nasty film. It's not at all. It's like a proper epic production. It's got these incredible, beautiful sets mm. and the acting in it is like Oscar worthy you know Vanessa Redgrave plays the the kind of chief or main nun the mother superior nun Oliver Reed plays Urban Grandier and there's a few other actors that pop up in it that are really good and it's just it's just a legitimately brilliant film that it seems quite unseen because it's had all this controversy over the years Mm. and been so difficult to watch yeah um and again it gets lumped in with horror movies it's not really a horror film Mm. it's a historical period drama it is fascinating to watch uh it is it you know it, it it will challenge you particularly if you're um you know, have strongly religious beliefs, mm. but I think it's a worthwhile film to watch. And uh, yeah, I wish it was more widely available and mm. people should watch it. And if your experiences of Oliver Reed are exclusively from the Oliver Twist musical, you will get <laughs> to see some serious acting from that man in this movie. Um, but yeah, The Devils, that's that's my kind of big recommendation for this week. And I, yeah, and then I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, but I talked about that before with the book. So... Fantastic. Alex. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I hope that you found something interesting in there and we shall we yeah. move on? Yeah, well, like The Devils is from a book written by um, Aldous Huxley. Yes, Aldous Huxley. Yes, yeah, they, a non-fiction wrote, book um, that he wrote. 
Brave New World. So probably Absolutely. pretty intense movie. I just looking at some pictures of the film. It looks amazing. Like yeah. quite cinematographically incredible. Yes, the photography in it is <laughs> is is great. Um, the yeah. sets that they built with these huge white stone or mm. brickwork kind of sets and um, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie and um, yeah. and yeah, I feel like it gets talked about. Whenever it gets talked about, it just gets talked about as being a controversial movie, mm. and it kind of makes you have this view of it as being maybe something that'll be quite difficult or challenging to watch. It's it's definitely challenging. But I think that it's often forgotten mm. or people forget to mention that it's also just legitimately a a great film. Like it's a, it's a really solid, well-made masterpiece of cinema that is uh, cruelly forgotten by its own studio. And that's why it's not being seen by anyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. Is it homework time? Homework time. Yes, it is. Okay. Homework time. So- Who's going first? Um... I can go first again if you want. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was asked to watch three different things and I watched the only one that I could watch, which right. is Twin Peaks. The oh, series, uh, yeah, uh, I'm working on trying to uh, watch the other two. But, uh, what were the other two? Veep oh. and Watchmen. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Well, you should watch them; they're good. But yeah. now, right? Okay, the, let's talk yes. about Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, so, if you tell me you don't like Twin Peaks, like with Hamilton, I am. We are. This is the end of the podcast. <gasps> okay. Okay. Go. Okay. So we know the story about Twin, Twin Peaks. The story, uh, the the body of a girl, Laura Palmer, is washed up on the beach, uh, and they have to investigate her murder. So yes, it starts with just an investigation, and then it goes into everything. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you watch then? Okay, so I watched the pilot and the okay. entire of season one. Wow! And the first episode of season two. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um from the beginning uh the the music the beginning song dun 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 I've heard it before I don't know where oh. It's iconic the soundtrack to Twin Peaks is iconic and I was like yeah. oh so I sat down I relaxed and I started watching this thing um the music in the entire well everywhere is daunting uh, yeah. And um, what an I- Italian musician composed that, Angelo Badalamenti. Mm, yes, I'm glad you know things that I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, okay, well, the acting is insane in it. <laughs> There's when the parents find out that the daughter is di- has died, they're like oh. screeching, like that's yeah. not a normal reaction, but they're like screeching, like they're like possessed. And yeah. everybody has the really weird reactions. Like the entire how people act is bizarre. I don't know if that's mm. made on purpose or it's the the situation they're put in. But from the acting, which is totally bizarre and over, everybody's overacting and. It's a style of acting that that David Lynch uniquely gets out of performers. So yeah. if you watch a few of his films, you'll start to get into the rhythm of that kind of acting because it's very much a David Lynch yeah. quality. And and then the the sets 
a weird so you have weird sets which are like crazy colors weird acting uh people seem to know things before they're actually said like people know things like there's the i I wrote everybody seems to know things before they actually happen or they just know it's weird that's that's, i wrote so many notes because i was so freaked (laughs) out by it and it just somebody might just look at another actor and the other actor knows what they're thinking Mm. okay um then there's the scene of the log lady like that's I just wrote the log lady. <laughs> the log lady. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a woman in uh, and she's her she's got a log. She's like carrying a log and uh, like a baby. She sort of like carries it around like it's a baby. Yeah. And detect the the FBI detective that comes to investigate the the death the murder of Laura Palmer says, "But who's special that lady? agent Dale Cooper?" Yeah, who's that lady? And and the sheriff calls it what we call her the log lady like, yeah he says who's the lady with the log and the chef goes oh we call her the log lady that's just something <laughs> that in reality should have not been there like there are elements in twin peaks that are totally surreal and bizarre they shouldn't be there like why no. why do you put the log lady in that place but it's there he, and you go david lynch is obsessed david lynch is obsessed oh i mean he refuses to explain stuff so this is all what people have inferred yeah. but he is obsessed with dreams and I think once you start to realise that he views, or I think a lot of his films are viewed through the lens of like the quality of dreams, yeah. stuff like that starts to not make sense, but you yeah. can understand its place in the world of the of the show. Yeah, everything is extremely overacted. Like the lady with the patch. Oh and, yes, and at one point she's obsessed with uh, making her um, curtain roll curtain rollers really quiet and she just yep. opens them and closes them and she's like Bleh! it's insane but at one point i thought that it might be like a soap opera because if you yeah, look, it yeah it's is. like a soap opera because every character and every situation has got a music yeah and everything is so weirdly acted and then there's this uh in 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 maybe all episodes i'm not sure i didn't write it down there's this um soap opera running on tv which yes, is called yes. the the something the of love it, um yeah. yeah um it's interesting to see the young actors that now are not young anymore that i've yeah. never seen them in the kind of their first role which yeah. sounds really good and um yeah uh what else uh then i put at one point i put the jocks are out of control like the two guys the two jocks <laughs> are insane like yeah. they're insane and they're really, and I said, I put, I put the jocks are under control. Bobby, I actually wrote booby and the blonde <laughs> mullet guy. They're just insane. <laughs> they were just making me so anxious. Is it at the end of the pilot where they're uh, in the prison cell and James is in the other oh, cell and they're just like screaming at him through the Yeah. Bars. And you go, stop screaming. It's not needed. <laughs> You're insane. Um, but it's it's just so bizarre. Like the acting is amazing, and then I realize where the film Fire Walk with Me comes from. It makes total sense now. Yeah. Why it made no sense before. Um, but yeah, I watched the pilot and I was like, "What is this?" And then I couldn't stop watching it. I just yeah. like obsessed with it, obsessed. Yep. And I'm not sure if I like it or not. That's the thing. I don't know <laughs> what to say. I, I, one afternoon, I watched like three episodes, one after the other, and they're 45 minutes long. Uh, 
And I was like, I don't know, I was mesmerized by how weird it is and how I by how weird it is. And I can't tell you if I like it or not. I think I probably do because I'm I, I became obsessed with it. <laughs> um but then and I think the first season is really good and I think it's really well good. It's really interesting because you can't yeah. stop watching it and uh mm. um the characters are all bizarre and uh, the more you find out about the um, Twin Peaks, the more you're weirded out, but then it doesn't really explain anything. Like Twin Peaks, things are not really what they seem to be. Like there's a yeah. weird. The owls are not what they seem. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, what? Well, can you explain more? And nothing else happens. Like it doesn't explain anything else. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Um, and then, yeah. Um, I love Cooper, Agent, Special Agent Cooper, when he orders food. He's really childish and he wants, yeah. like, he loves coffee and he loves pie. And I, every time I look at him, I, I think of you because you love characters like that. Like, the yes, weirder the character, the more kind of like you love. So every time I was like, that's <laughs> why George loves this, this show because it's, uh, it's amazing. Laura's funeral oh. is ridiculous. Like the funeral is ridiculous. Like everything when, is ridiculous. Is it the dad jumps on the coffin? The is it going? dad jumps on the coffin and then the coffin starts going up and down and you go, yeah. and then the mum screeches because that's all she does. Yep. And who the hell is Diane? So Special Agent Cooper always records on, yep. and talk on this recorder and talks to Diane, but yep. he never sends the tapes. So who the hell is he talking to? So... <laughs> So the original two series from the early nineties, Diane is never like Diane is just on the ah okay. On so she tapes. does exist. I thought it was but Agent Cooper being absolutely if, insane. If you get yourself through and watch the third series that was yeah. made in twenty seventeen, you'll learn more about Diane. Okay. Then. Um, um, yeah, but the thing is, I I enjoyed the sec the first season. Uh, season. Then yeah. when I went to the second season and I saw there was twenty two episodes of forty five yeah. minutes each. And I yeah. watched the first, but I thought, well, if I enjoy it, enjoy it. If I'm obsessed with it as I did the first one, I'd be fi- yeah. I'd be fine. Even the pilot, the hour and a half one, I just I was bored after a while. Do you mean in the in the second series? Yeah, I was just yeah. like, oh, oh, again, it's still the same. Um, maybe I'll I'll carry on watching it in the future, but I don't know. I I quite I, I'm kind of satisfied. <laughs> Do you not want to know who killed Laura Palmer? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, because the thing is, she want, she's so messed up in a way that it doesn't, it feels like she wanted to die anyway. Not that she should have been killed, whatever. But yeah. I feel like, I don't know, the first, it, it's such an interesting concept that I think if they left it as, as one season... You could have yeah. been satisfied with it because it's because you don't need to know what happens and uh... yeah, it's an interesting thing where they, they made the first series mm. and it became huge, like it was this enormous hit. Yeah, they were on the cover of all the magazines in America. Yeah. Everyone wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. They came in to make the second series, and David Lynch mm. kind of started to lose a little bit of interest in yeah. it. Mm. But Mark Frost, who was the other creator, still wanted to go ahead. Yeah. So, a couple of things. One, they made him. They made them reveal who killed Laura Palmer about halfway through season two. Okay. 
you you sort of start to find that out and then they they really David Lynch kind of gets bored of it and takes a step back Mark mm. Frost really struggles to kind of continue it properly mm. there's definitely a run of episodes in season 2 that are not good I wouldn't defend them at all yeah but David Lynch came back to do the finale of season 2 and that is pro- probably the strongest episode of the original run it's great okay and then when they brought it back 25 years later and did Twin Peaks the Return or over 25 years later yeah that I mean, that's controversial. Some people really didn't like The Return. That is my favourite Twin Peaks, okay. is that third series. So I well, understand that you'll okay find it... Well, would it be okay if I watch the finale and then the third season? Because I don't think I can watch 22 episodes of Twin Peaks. I'd, I, I would... <laughs> I just don't think I can. Like, I... I'd, I, think you should, I think you should watch up until they reveal the killer of okay. Laura Palmer. Then you can skip ahead and watch the finale, probably. Okay. And then the return. The return is such a masterpiece of 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 everything. It's okay. incredible. I mean, he filmed it as one film and mm. then chopped it up in editing into chunks. So some mm. people even call it a film, even though it's eighteen hours long. It's obviously not a film, <laughs> but Aww. it's um it's spectacular stuff. I I I love it. So okay, quickly, uh, favorite character, Special Agent Cooper. Okay, favorite character that's uh, like favorite um Twin Peaks resident. Oh, oh, that's hard. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. This is a really hard question because I, I love Co- uh, Agent Cooper. He without him, I don't think okay, it would okay, be. Okay, let's 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 drill it down a bit further. Favorite high school student. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think favorite high school student. It would have to be. Are they all? Oh. You've got you've got Laura Palmer. Okay, wait a second. Let's go back. Favorite character okay. out of um, uh, so after Cooper, I would go for Jocelyn Packard. Oh, interesting. Her because she's okay. so mysterious and so sexy. Yeah. yeah okay. And okay. then I'm looking at the characters now, so I've got more of a of a thing. And then. Um, I really like the guy that owns the petrol station. Yes, uh, Big Ed. Big Ed. Really like him. Um, Norma. Norma. And the high schools uh, ones, I like the daughter of, I can't find her name. Audrey? Audrey, I think. Could it be Audrey? Audrey Horn, the daughter of the hotelier. Yes, she is. I really like her. And I can't believe Special Agent Cooper doesn't get with her because I won't uh, go well, with her. Can oh. I tell you some behind the scenes um, rumour? Yes. Okay, so Cooper was meant to get together with Audrey. Yeah. But in real life, Cal McLaughlin started dating uh, let me get this right, I think he started dating Sherilyn Fenn? No. Does Sherilyn Fenn play Audrey Horn? Yeah. No. So who is Donna? Donna. Who plays Donna? Lara Flynn Boyle. That's it. So, Michael McLachlan started dating Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah. In real life. Yeah. And Lara Flynn Boyle, I don't know, I've never met her, but when you read background, like behind the scenes information and stuff, she sounds a little bit irritating. Oh. I don't know. So she put a big no on the storyline of Cooper getting together with Audrey because <gasps> she was jealous, supposedly, of the idea so, so it, it kind of this is where this is where season two kind of goes wrong is that Audrey ends up kind of Audrey's storyline doesn't do justice to how brilliant Audrey is because they ended up not being able to do what they wanted to do because of this behind the scenes stuff. 
<gasps> uh, which is pretty, yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Like all of the what could have been with sec with the second season of Twin Peaks is so frustrating to think that it was all like outside influences that kind of stopped it from being as good as it could be. Um, so that yeah, it's a real crazy because yeah. they have such chemistry. Yeah, Audrey is Audrey's a great character. Oh, I she's like, amazing. I like Ben Horn, her dad. <laughs> And his brother. Oh, his brother's insane. The scene where his brother comes back and he's brought those baguettes yeah. with brie. <laughs> yeah, the baguettes. It's so weird. And the way they're eating the baguettes, they're not eating them from like one end to the other no. like you would. They're eating, they're like taking big chunks out of yeah, them. Yeah, from the <laughs> middle. And then they're having this conversation with their mouths full of, and you oh. can't understand anything they're saying. It's the best. The, the thing is, every uh, watching it, I know exactly why you like it because you like bizarre stuff. Yeah, like when something is really absurd, you go, "Yeah, it's absurd," <laughs> and you love it. And I, at the moment, I realized that why you would like it is when Agent Cooper asks for breakfast. He wants like extra crispy bacon. Like it's so precise yeah. with bacon over hard, black, crisp yeah. black, and egg. No eggs over easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, that's why G loves it." Yeah, so definitely. As a conclusion, I don't know if I like it. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure it's so like the list I have is so long I'm not going to even say what whatever I wrote because I kept writing it down it's like this is I'm not going to remember all of this but yeah it's um I understand why people enjoyed it uh and I think it's good because I kind of got obsessed with it but I think maybe it could have just done with two seasons of eight episodes each because I think that's perfect but possibly yeah but yeah. honestly the return I mean Episode eight of the mm. third series is the greatest hour of filmed media. Okay, ever. okay, I'll I will check it out and get back to you. But um, two things I want to say very quickly before we finish the, yeah. the reasons I love Twin Peaks as well. The pilot, <laughs> yeah, you know the pilot when he is um, examining the body of Laura Palmer in that room. Oh, and then he goes and like, he pulls oh, he pulls oh. a a, a, a no. letter out from the finger. Oh, that was the most disgusting. Oh, I was gonna vomit. It was horrible. Remember, there's a bit in that where, um, oh well, in that room, the fluorescent light is just flickering on and off. Yeah. And the guy's like, "Sorry about the light," and Cooper's like, "Oh no, don't worry about it." That light was actually faulty, and they were going to fix it. And David Lynch was just like, "No, no, no, I like it. Keep it like that." Uh, crazy <laughs> man, isn't he? And in the same scene, there's a bit where Cooper turns to the guy and says, "Could you leave us, please? Could you give us a moment alone?" You know, the orderly. Yeah. Because he wants to just talk to the sheriff, and the orderly just looks at him and goes, "Oh, Jim." And Cooper has to go, no, no, could you give us a moment alone? The orderly goes, oh, yeah, no, sorry, and walks out. That was an actual mistake. The orderly misheard the line and thought that Cooper was asking him his name <laughs> and told him his real, like the actor The actor thought that they were out of character and just told him his actual name as an actor. Yeah. And then, again, David Lynch was like, I love it. <laughs> Keep it in. I, that, I, know, I know exactly why you like it. So after my review, are we yeah. still friends? Yeah, 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 I can take that. I can okay. take that. But yeah, Twin okay. Peaks are five out of five of weirdness. Thank you. Good. That's what I intended. So good. If you, if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, we haven't spoiled it. Watch it. It's the best thing that's ever happened. Yes. Okay. My turn. Time Your to turn. talk about Working Mums. Yes. I watched Working Mums on Netflix. Uh, that was your assignment to me. And yeah. it is... By far the most successful homework you've sent me so far Yay! in this thing. I love working mums. <gasps> it is the best. 
fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I have watched, I've watched, not only have I watched all of it, I finished it long enough ago since, since we last recorded that I've almost forgotten parts of it because I watched it all just like straight away. What? Yeah, four seasons. Great. Sorry? Four seasons. All four seasons. No, yeah. you watched all four seasons. All four seasons. And I was annoyed when I found out that the fourth season, like the first three seasons are 13 episodes long. Yeah. And then the fourth season is only eight episodes yeah, long. Yeah, it's much How shorter. dare you? I know. When, when I it got finished. To like, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched episode seven and I was like, oh, I'll stop watching it for now because there's a few more episodes to go. And then I looked on Netflix and it said one more episode. I was like, what? Mm. what? Yeah. What? They need to bring it back. Catherine Reitman, mm. who uh, created it and stars in it as Kate Foster. Yeah. She is so good <laughs> she is, isn't in she? this show. I had only ever seen her before in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm. where she's funny, but she plays a character who, like, each time she turns up in it again, she becomes more and more monstrous. I think that there's a running storyline where she turns herself into a cat. And, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's just kind of strange. Mm. And I always, I got to a point with her where I was like, I kind of get the weirdness and I get the idea of what you're doing with her and I don't really need to see the character anymore. So I sort of hadn't gone off her as a person or anything, but like, she, I wasn't necessarily excited about the fact that she was in work. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. She's great in Working Moms. Like, she's so funny and her mm. character is so, like, strong, but also flawed. Like, she makes yeah decisions that are really bad decisions a lot of the time and like yeah. she's she's not necessarily the best partner but then her no. husband I, I can't i don't want to because i've watched all of it i don't want to like get into big spoiler territory yeah. stuff but like her husband is a jerk yeah the biggest jerk yeah but do you know that he is her husband yeah in real it's life? her actual husband yeah and directs a bunch of episodes and stuff yeah so He's obviously not like that in real life. He's much more supportive of uh, his wife's ambitions. Absolutely, because some in some in some scenes when the wife is doing certain things, it's like, oh, you're strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, so it, okay, so Working Mums is set in Canada. Mm. Uh, it's about a group of mums who. Uh, this is what's kind of weird about it. So they're all they're all working mums, and they have various different backgrounds and yeah. family lives. Um, each episode sort of tends to start with it kind of moves away from this but at the start each episode starts with them sat in like a toddler circle yeah. where they're, they're mm. all talking about their, their lives and stuff <laughs> and then the weird thing about it is that it then sort of goes off in and follows those characters going for their lives mm. and they don't interact much not necessarily yeah they've yeah because that's that's what brings them together is the toddler yeah. thing so there's main there's like whole episodes where it feels like the four characters or the, the main characters don't interact with each other at all. Yeah, they're just off on the different ways. But then there'll be occasionally like a special episode where they all go mm. camping together or they all go on a trip together somewhere and stuff. Yeah. Um. But the the main characters are are Kate, who mm. is a marketing kind of lady. She works yeah. in marketing. Mm. There is Anne, who is a therapist. Yeah. Frankie is yeah. A real estate agent. Yep. And then the kind of fourth main character is probably Jenny. Yeah, no, definitely. Hmm. But it tends to get bored of her sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And in the second series, they do a weird thing where they almost ignore her completely and instead follow her husband entirely or follow Mm. her, her, the father of her son uh, entirely. 
who well, is yeah, because Chris... he's got the kids, so I think it's a kind of uh, yeah, yeah. He, and he is he is played by a, an actor called Dennis Andre, but really he is Chris Pratt. He looks like Chris Pratt. Yeah. He acts like Chris Pratt. He he. I don't actually know. I don't want to like diminish him. He's a really good actor in it and stuff. But he really really looks like Chris Pratt to me. Yeah. Um. He's very funny in it. Which I never thought about until you sent me a meme the other day. <laughs> and I was like, why why have you sent me a meme about? Chris Pratt. And I thought it was actually Chris Pratt, but it wasn't. Yeah. And I've shown him to other people and they've been like, no, he doesn't look anything like Chris Pratt. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like he I never exactly I never seen like I never seen the but now I see it because you told me, but I don't think yeah. it does look yeah. like Chris Pratt. Okay. So what do you think? Who who do you think is gonna be my favourite character? Hmm. Probably. Uh Anne's husband, Lionel. Like Lionel. Uh, okay, no, but out of the main, like out of the main, sort of I'd women, mind the, the girl, the women. Yeah. Uh, probably Kate Foster. No. 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 She's great. Yeah. My favorite character is Anne. Oh yeah, I love her. Ah, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's the so best. good. Yeah. Yeah. Her she's relationship with her daughter is feels so. Yeah. Real. Yeah. And the the places it goes to throughout the series. Yeah. Uh, and she's like always trying to do well. Yeah. But it kind of gets worse and worse at a point, like especially series three and four. It just yeah. really. It's really the stuff bad. of the gun in series three. Yeah. Is crazy. And that's why um, I like it because it's so it, it it it's things that are really real things that teenagers might go through and struggles that mums go through with their teenage daughters or sons. I just I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, definitely. And I got a bit of a... So, okay, so I'm a bit... I tend to, when I like something, I look it up on Wikipedia and read the Wikipedia yeah. page for it and stuff like that. Yeah. Working mums, pretty small Wikipedia page for something so good. Possibly uh, because it's Canadian. We talked about it last week. Yeah. And possibly because it's about women struggling of being, <laughs> juggling everything. Yeah. But, well, I, so in the reception section, because most things have a reception mm. section where it tells you what critics thought of it. Yeah. Um. It quotes John Doyle from the Globe and Mail, mm. who says that the show reeks of entitlement and privilege. He says, the mums represent only a very specific urban bourgeois type. Their troubles are tiny, they live in luxury, and their only contact with anything approaching the reality of contemporary life is via their nannies. And I went on, I clicked through, and I read his whole review. And he's he's only basing it off like the pilot. All he'd watched at this point was the pilot. Yet what? this is still the main thing that's shown up as like the reception on Wikipedia. Which anyone can edit it, we should I should we could fix that. But the point is, he he kind of says this is a world where abortion isn't real, and da, da, da. and it's like all of the things he's complaining that aren't in this show and mm. aren't represented in this show throughout the four seasons have all been represented and yeah. all been covered and all been covered maturely and properly and mm. not just rushed through in the pilot. Like it's like he thought the pilot should be everything to everyone yeah. at once, and it's yeah. so frustrating that like. I don't know if it's just because it's about women. It feels to me like maybe that is what it is, that he mm. kind of really goes in on it and hammers it. And it's like, this is what, if you look that up on Wikipedia, that's what you're seeing is yeah. this this thing saying it's not very good. It's incredible. Mm. And if you want them to discuss issues, like issues that are difficult that women live through and suffer through and have yeah. to put up with when they're mums or just throughout their lives. Yeah. It covers that and it goes through that. And absolutely, these the main characters are privileged. Mm. And at times it can be frustrating in a way 
And I totally get that idea of like, yes, sometimes their problems in life can be solved by flinging money at the problem. Yeah. And not everyone can do that. Mm. And that's a completely fair critique. Yeah. But I think I think it's probably true that the creators of the show saw that critique and then worked to improve and they they, they kind of reacted to it and yeah. you end up do seeing a wider variety of experiences and stuff mm. and, and yeah and, and it remains really funny. Yeah. So I'm just that annoys me and people should watch it. It's good. I'm really happy you enjoyed it because I think it's it's just so it's not out there this working mums. No, people should watch it. It's on Netflix. It's so easy to watch. Yeah. Watch it. It is yeah. it is brilliant and we haven't talked enough about Anne. Anne is the best. Yeah. The series where Anne is working in the office and she realizes her ex-husband is yeah. working near her. Yeah. Oh my word, and I really wanted her to do what she eventually did and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um but then she makes mistakes. There's a, there's a plot line involving a gun that's just like every every time it shows her doing anything to do with this gun, you're just yeah. like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Don't do that." Yeah. Um. And yeah, and she's flawed. Her husband is hilarious. To be fair, Lionel. <laughs> yeah, is that very thought funny. you might like him real lot, Lionel. Um. There's an episode where it flashes back and shows a whole episode of how um Kate met her husband and how Anne sort of met Lionel her husband mm. the episode is wonderful yeah really yeah. brilliant that's probably um, one of my favorite episodes yeah definitely yeah um yeah working mums it's a it's a five star review from me Good. and ignore what John Doyle from the Globe and Mail said he's wrong yeah and I don't respect him uh, I watched the first episode after I gave you the homework, just to kind of like refresh what happened four seasons ago. Yeah. And it's so funny because it starts with them in this toddler group just talking about their boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It just starts really well and it just carries on really well. It's oh, really? I wanted to, something else I wanted to mention because oh, there were so many things I wanted to talk to you about when I was watching the first series. Mm. That then by the time I'd finished it, there was too much to talk about. <laughs> I forgot about I love. It's mainly done in the first series. They sort of drop it a bit. But in the first series, I really like the way they have her boss at her marketing company, Kate's boss. Mm. He's a character who thinks he is really supportive of her. Yeah. And thinks that he's kind of empowering her and helping her in her career. And he's just not. He's quite misogynistic in the way he talks to her. Yeah. And it's, but not actively hateful towards her, but like the way he talks about her and the way he treats her, he wouldn't treat a male coworker. No. Even though he supports her and like puts her forward to promotions and stuff and like mm. claims to like her, he just doesn't quite get like he kind of forces this mother, this father daughter relationship yeah. on her. Yeah. That he that she is, is just inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, but I it's... thought that was really interesting. But then his character mm. ends up having a, an interesting journey um, a, a, with her and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, um... oh, it's, it's, it's definitely a series to watch. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really glad you enjoyed it because, you know, sometimes you watch things and you really enjoy them and then you think, oh, I wonder if it's, but I think it's good and I'm glad. Yeah. Fantastico. Fantastic. Okay. Time now for our top fives. Top five. Top fives. This week we're doing top five British series. Last week we did American series. This week 
uh, we're sticking in the United Kingdom. Are you ready, Alex? Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. I found this week much harder than last week. Oh, please do I, tell me why. I thought I just really like British TV. Yes, and please. I, and I just couldn't, I couldn't put. I, I don't know. I just couldn't find. Should I uh, find the ones I used to like a lot once upon a time? Uh, there's some incredible British TV now. Shall I put all the new stuff that I watched? Shall I put all the old stuff? What should I do? So mm. I did half and mm. half. Okay, good. You can't <laughs> split five into half, so you didn't do that. No. That's true. I do. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. oh, not very good at math. So yeah, I thought it was really hard because. No, I it, yeah, I found it really hard. For the similar reason, I mean, I grew up in Britain and have watched yeah. a lot of British TV and yeah. picking just five things I love is hard. I've kind of gone mainly, mainly slightly older stuff that I still love now, mm, okay. with one exception of something that's kind of newer. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Okay. So yes. I'm going to start with my number five. Do it. Hit me. Okay. Slap me. So it's a TV show, TV comedy show. From 1999, called Spaced. Ah, Spaced? Yes. Who stars in Spaced? So, Spaced was created by Simon Pegg and uh, Jessica Stevenson, which is now Jessica Hines. Absolutely, um, she is. Yes, which I didn't know. I I, I, rem- I stayed at Jessica Stevenson for some reason. Um, but yeah, and it's a story about uh, Tim and Daisy... Uh, meet in a cafe and they've just met and they decide to go uh, move in together and uh, they go to move in in a flat they uh, they have to pretend to be a couple and is their uh, surreal <laughs> and awkward adventures in this apartment in mm. this flat in this house um yeah and that's it, really. It's about them. And uh, in this uh, in this house, uh, there's the the landlady, uh, which is she's played by Julia Deakin, and her yep. name is Marsha. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. Uh, and hello, then, Brian. Uh, hello, Brian. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then there's another tenant in a flat in the basement uh brian which is played by mark heap which i love and mm-hmm. then also there's katie carmichael as twist um, yes daisy's best friend and nick frost as mike simon is simon's tim's, tim's best, best friend, friend played by simon Pegg. katie carmichael uh, doesn't hasn't really done anything has she since space no not really uh. no no. She's, good in space, she's, she's amazing in space. Yeah. Um I I really love I really love it. I watched um just because it was so difficult, I watched like the first episode the other day just to kind of say, do I would I still like space? Mm. And yes, it's so I love the surreal moments. Uh there are I love the kind of references to um uh comic books and uh, it's uh, so stuffed with pop culture references yeah, that on the yeah, DVDs pop you can culture. turn on you can turn on exactly you can turn on a subtitle yeah. track that highlights every single pop culture reference and it's just endless 
Yeah, and it's so beautiful. And um, when I watched it, it was so relatable to me at the time of things that I was doing. Mm. And uh, it kind of shows them struggling through life, which is interesting, but also having a a good time, Mm. um, being awkward people, really. (laughs) And I really like the fact that there's um, in this kind of building, there's kind of like a, a weird force, which you never know what it is. Like there's, you know, weird stuff happens, but you're not really sure if it's just imagination or if there's something actually happening. Uh, Have you never noticed that? I've never looked at it that way. I've always just seen it as being all to do with the kind of way it was filmed, but very uh, hyper. Yeah, but if you think about like Brian being super weird and living in the basement and with his art and it's all like very, I don't know, I always thought there might be some kind of force in the building. But mm. not real, just probably from, I don't know, that's what, uh, how I... I, I honestly had never thought about it that way, but really? that's interesting. Yeah, like, that's a really interesting read of it. Uh, but yeah, and it also has got incredible cameos. It's got uh, Peter Serafinowicz, uh, it's got uh, Bill Bailey, Michael yeah. Smiley. Reese Shearsmith, right? Who? Uh, from the League of Gentlemen, Reese Shearsmith. He plays the Robot Wars. Ah, okay, yeah, I, don't, I never <clears> watched <throat> the League of Gentlemen. Oh, well, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was in England yet, or I didn't understand it properly. Probably the second one. Yeah, or just because for me, English TV, I, it took me a while to really grasp it because uh, although I have, you know, I'm half English, uh, mm. there is a sort of completely different way of seeing things and um, comedy. And the, so it took me a while. And in fact, I think Space was one of the first ones that I was like, oh, okay. I'm in it now. Yeah. I know what it is. Well, it's interesting because League of Gentlemen, League of Gentlemen is actually pretty much on at the same exact time as Spaced. Because yeah. there's, um, in the very first episode of Spaced, there's a mm. bit where they open the door and there's like two creepy twins stood there. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're never <laughs> in it again, the are cupboard. they? Yeah. No. They're never in it again. No. They were going to be a running joke throughout the series. Okay. But they found out that the League of Gentlemen were doing a creepy twins thing oh, in no. their series. Yeah. So they, they took it out of space because mm. um, they didn't want to copy it. Whereas actually the creepy twin thing in the League of Gentlemen is different enough that I don't think anyone would have accused them of like copying <laughs> it. Or, but um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And the League of Gentlemen is very northern. So it's it's almost mm. like an, an even more uh, a higher level, not a higher level, but like it's even more removed from maybe what you would have been used yeah. to or mm. culturally culturally aware of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really love Spaced. Uh, Edgar Wright needs to get be, be shouted out for the, his Definitely. direction. He's incredible. Yes. Yeah, because he, he did Shaun of the Dead as well, didn't he? Edgar so yeah, Wright. like him and him and Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines all did Space together. And then, and I don't know the behind the scenes reasons for this, but then Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg on their own went off and they did Shaun of the Dead, which mm. Jessica Hines has a cameo in, but she wasn't creatively involved yeah. in. Yeah. And they did Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Yeah. Um, but you and which are three masterpieces in my yeah. opinion. Um, even The World's End, which some people don't like, I, I, I'm a big fan of. Mm. But that's my that's my Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright thing. I love the most is those films. Whereas I I do like Spaced and I love Spaced. Even it's it was always I think I was just slightly younger when Spaced came out. Yeah. So I liked it, but it didn't reflect my life as much as mm. maybe you found it to. Yeah. Um, no, it reflected like it. my life a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Not mine. Because um, I was, I, yeah. I was, I would have been 11, I think, when it, when it came out. Anyway. Yeah. But I didn't watch it when I was 15. I watched it when I was in my yeah, 20s. Yeah, 
think I watched it when I was 12 for the first time. So yeah, yeah. it would have been, yeah. Um, mm. But The Guardian did, because mm. uh, I tried to rewatch it this year. Mm. And I rewatched a few episodes and I still really like it, but I have this strange like nostalgia about it that's a little bit tinged with sadness and I can't quite place why. Mm. But it makes it quite difficult for me to watch it and really enjoy it nowadays. Okay. And not that's a that's a me thing, that's not a space thing, it's not an issue mm-hmm. of the show, if yeah. you see what I mean. Um yeah. But The Guardian did an interview recently with it was like an anniversary interview, it was before COVID happened, it was like January mm. this year. And it was an interview with Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright and Jessica Hines. Mm. And it was to look back on Spaced. And they kind of, it comes across a little bit. And I might just be completely misreading it. But to me, Mm. it kind of came across a little bit like they kind of don't like each other anymore. Oh. And it made me a little bit sad. And especially like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, it it kind of describes them as not really getting on. Even though they have a production company together Mm. now and they make films together still. Mm. It just sort of, and it kind of made me a little bit, and like um, in this interview, Simon Pegg is talking about how he thinks space hasn't aged because it doesn't have anything kind of hateful in it, like some kind of sitcoms from mm. the recent past might have like transphobic jokes and stuff yeah. like that. And then Nick Frost kind of correctly, but quite awkwardly, it sounds in the interview, points out that there is a, a quite a really bad transphobic joke in mm. Spaced uh, with a character David Walliams plays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is I forgot yeah, not, about that one. Yeah, and Simon Pegg's character Tim's has a really hateful kind of slur about mm. uh, David Lyons' character that Nick Frost quoted, and Simon Pegg in this interview said it. You know, it looks a bit uncomfortable when Nick Frost says it. It just kind of made it all sound a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I just got a bit kind of oddly sad about the whole thing, which is not the vibe that we're trying to bring yeah. on culture bucket. Sorry, because I agree. No, no, and I support your Absolutely. choice. Based is awesome. But that's when I was. I had this similar feeling when I was watching it the other day because i know that maybe things didn't end really well when uh, because you said it before edgar wright and simon pegg started doing other things and maybe um uh jessica hines start wanted to do something else i'm not sure if that parted extremely well yeah. but i feel personally from i don't know it seems that simon pegg has changed a lot yeah definitely and it seems that simon pegg has I don't know I feel like he has changed like if you look at interviews from and and I'm not saying people should not change but I feel like he might have not changed in the in the the person that yeah yeah he definitely I remember when Hot Fuzz came out uh, me and a friend queued up outside a HMV Mm. in Manchester for 11 hours to go to a signing yeah (laughs) what this was two this was two weeks before Hot Fuzz Mm. was released and the idea was if you got in the if you got early enough in this queue you got mm. to do a signing with simon Pegg and nick frost yeah and then you got to go and see hot fuzz two weeks before it came out mm. and then they were doing a live q a afterwards yeah um so me and my friend got there at seven o'clock in the morning for the, the q a that was like in the evening yeah uh and the bouncer was like no you can queue up if you want we had people queuing up um this early last week for biffy clyro and i said who on earth is that and nowadays obviously, <laughs> <laughs> i really yeah. like biffy clyro they're great um yeah. And within about half an hour, another couple had turned up who were like total autograph hunters. Like they didn't really seem to like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost very much. They didn't really seem to know what space mm. was. They had sort of seen Shaun of the Dead. And I remember being, and I was much younger, obviously, but I remember being so 
arrogantly happy that I was ahead of them in the queue and being in terms of like, you don't deserve to be first in this queue to, <laughs> to meet these people because you don't care. Mm. Because I said, I wonder if Edgar Wright will turn up as well. Mm. And this guy was like, who, who, who's that? And I was like, he directed the film and he directed it spaced. And he's, he's the reason why it's all so good. And I can't believe you don't know who Edgar Wright mm. is. And then in the end, Edgar Wright was there. Like he hadn't oh. been advertised as being there. I think because they thought people didn't know who he was. Yeah. I knew who he was and I was the most excited to see Edgar Wright. <laughs> I love Edgar Wright so much. He, mm. All of his work is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got them. I got them to sign a Hot Fuzz poster, which I then didn't treat with respect and I've no idea where it is now. And it makes me oh. sad because that would be a valuable thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Darn it. But um, the reason I've told the story is then we went to see Hot Fuzz. It was great, of course. Yeah. In the Q&A Q afterwards, uh, first of all, the autograph on the man asked Simon Pegg, um, he referenced, you know, the scene in Shaun of the Dead where they're throwing the vinyl records? Yeah. He referenced that and he said, what what album would you like to throw at a zombie and destroy? What album mm. do you not like? And Simon Pegg had the great reaction of like, don't really want to be here being negative about things. So not really going to answer that question. If you, do you see what I mean in terms of yeah. like, because the guy was just like, what 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 music would you like to crap all over? And it's like, come on, we're here to have fun. And to, anyway, anyway. Somebody else asked a question about Simon to Simon Pegg about like how he was becoming more famous and more popular mm. and was he going to go over to America? And Simon Pegg in this Q&A said, I'm definitely not going to go over and just suddenly do Mission Impossible or something like that. Amazing. <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> in actual did. fact, he yeah. did go and do Mission Impossible. Yeah. And of course, he shouldn't have not done Mission Impossible because he in, because he'd have been a hypocrite of, in a Q&A <laughs> that yeah. he did in Manchester. But it just, it, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of, Ultimately, he did sort of get Hollywoodized a bit. And, yeah. And uh, he's like good mates with Tom Cruise and all of that stuff. And um, and yeah, it's a, it's a peculiar one. But mm. Spaced, yeah. So I have I have odd mixed feelings about Spaced. But ultimately, yeah. it is an iconic thing and it's mm. brilliant. And I'm glad that you've put it on your list. Whoop whoop. Number whoop. five, Spaced. Number five. What's your number five? Okay, my number five is a recent show. That Ooh. is on the channel Dave in the UK. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a show created by Alex Horn, a comedian, mm -hmm. called Taskmaster. Ah, yeah. Do you know Taskmaster? I think I know for you. Yeah, probably for yeah, me. Yeah, that's that's the only reason I know it, because you, you, you sometimes do stuff. Yes, I mean, well, during lockdown, me and some friends did a Taskmaster, which I won. I won that because I am the best at Taskmaster. Your your ta your tasks were pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed watching them. Exactly. I sent you some of my tasks and like they were great. Yeah. As was everyone's in that Taskmaster challenge, if any of you were listening. But I <laughs> was the best. So <laughs> Taskmaster okay. is um, each series of it. They have the same five contestants throughout the whole set of episodes for that series and they're always a set of comedians or sort of tv personalities in, in in the uk and it's run by greg davies is the taskmaster he's a comedian who was in the in-betweeners and a few other things he's incredibly mm. tall and funny and then yeah. alex horn is his kind of sidekick but actually alex horn created the show and kind of you know writes a lot of it and stuff and alex horn is kind of creative force behind it mm. but he's kind of like the joke is that he's sort of like little alex horn next to giant greg davies and they set the celebrities tasks that have been pre-recorded and each celebrity has had to do the task. Um, each comedian's had to do a task and the fun is in seeing how each of them approach the task in hand, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, 
And because they keep the same for each episode of a series, they get given points. And then at the end of the series, whoever's got the most points is kind of the Taskmaster champion for that series. Mm. And you kind of... What I love about it is you start to see um, different personalities or different ways of doing things coming through. So there was a comedian on it called uh, James Acaster, who I really like. Mm, He did a series of it. And normally when uh, when they walk into a task in this pre-recorded video, Alex Horn will be there and he'll say, hi, James, or hi, you know, whoever the thing is. And the, the comedian will go, oh, hi, Alex, how are you today? Uh, James Acaster developed this running thing of like, whenever he walked into a task room, Alex Horn would say, hello, James. And James Acaster would just ignore him completely and glare <laughs> at him and then grab the task. And it was funny every single time. Um, and yeah, just seeing how those personalities come through and you kind of see the real person a little bit in a way because you mm. kind of they can't hide. Um and it's had some it's had some of the best comedians in the UK on it. It's had James Acaster, Ed Gamble's mm. been on it, Bob Mortimer has been on it, Noel Fielding from the Mighty Boosh has been on it. Um they've done like nine series of it, like basically, you know, name a name a popular comedian in the UK, mm. there's a good chance they've been on Taskmaster. And it's not you know, it's not adding anything massively intellectual to to culture, but it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It always makes me laugh so much. And um, I kind of, panel shows became a real thing in like the noughties in the UK when you had Have I Got Mm. News For You? Yeah. And uh, Would I Lie To You? They Think It's All Over, Mock The Week. Like there's endless Mm. panel shows because they're really cheap to make and easy to make and people like them and stuff. And it's it's fine. Eight out of 10 cats, let's count down as well. And I kind of got bored of them because I was a bit like, it's just the same sort of stuff every time and I'm Mm. bored of it. And I just sort of stopped watching them. And I stopped kind of paying attention to UK comedy for a little bit because of it. Because it just all turned into panel shows. Mm. Taskmaster sort of kind of has that panel show format a little bit, but it does it in a way that's sort of so fresh and different and original Mm. um, that it's kind of made me interested in the UK comedy scene again. And and like I've met, I've kind of learned about a lot of comedians I like now because of what seen them on Taskmaster. Mm. Um, Like each series, I managed to have a good mix of like kind of legacy comedians like Bob Mortimer, who you know, who you've known for years and then somebody new you've never seen before, like uh, Phil Wang, for example, Mm. who ends up being really funny as well. And you kind of get into them. Yeah. Uh, And there's normally at least one person who's really, bad at all the tasks and it's so funny to watch them fail every time ah, it's great um it's so popular that dave ended up um having to sell it or it got it got brought off dave by channel four so the next series in the uk is going to be shown on channel four so i think it's going to get quite big quite oh, soon okay um amazing yeah because it's been a sort of hidden gem for a little while but it's going to mm. get bigger so yeah if you haven't watched it uh if you're in the uk it's pretty much all available on uk tv play and they've actually put quite a lot of it up on YouTube, so it should be kind of watchable by anyone for, for yeah, if they'd if they'd like to see it. I recommend. Sounds awesome. Mm. I I liked watching yours, so I'm pretty pretty sure I would like <laughs> watching that. The the real one is is definitely funnier than mine. Okay, what's your number four? My number four. Oh, it was so hard. My number four. Uh, okay, so I've gone back again to um, a while ago. Uh, not a while ago, but uh, not recent. And I've put as my number four, Green Wing. Wow, okay. Yeah. Mark yeah. Heap. Yes, Mark Heap again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> double Heap, you're double heaping it. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's basically, well, it's set in a hospital. Yes. But you don't see any... 
anything to do with hospitals or any medical procedure whatsoever. So no, but it was character. actually filmed in a working hospital. Yeah, it was it was filmed in a working hospital, and uh, but it's very character based, and you only know about the characters that are doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of a sketch comedy, but it's all in one episode so it's not it's not like a like a sketch comedy with lots of different uh, act, uh scenes but it's like a sketch comedy with a running theme which is this hospital yeah um, but that is also a soap opera as well it is also soap opera and uh when was it made it was made in 19 I feel like no. it was 2004. Yes, yes, 2004. So, it, yeah, it was made in uh, 2004. Um, and it just, it's just the story revolving these doctors uh, in a hospital. Um, it's very surreal, again, a bit like space, but more so. It does this uh, editing thing where they speed it up really yeah. quickly and then slow they... it back down, and it has, like, this... Um, almost 90s trancey music and stuff under a lot of yeah. it as well. Yeah. Um, it's actually got that song, you know that song, Drinking in L.A.? Uh, mm. We've been drinking, drinking yeah. in L.A. It's got an instrumental, for that. the instrumental of that song is under a lot of the sketches in a really yeah. peculiar way. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I, I, it's amazing. It's got an incredible cast of uh, comedians and actors. So there's Tasmin Gregg, uh, Stephen Mangan, uh, Julian Rind Todd. Yep. Yes. And they kind of have a love triangle between uh, those three. And it's kind of like, will they, won't they? Um, but there's always like things happening. And then there's Sarah Alexander, which she was from Smack to Pony, which I loved. And I think that's Probably. why I love Green Wing. I love Smack to Pony. There's you know Smack that she uh, is married to Peter Serafanovich? Is she? Yes. I didn't know that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I oh, yeah. Beautiful couple. I know. Then yes, Markeep is there again. Markeep was in oh. Space. And then Olivia Coleman is in it. Oscar winning Olivia Coleman. Which I think she's one of my favorite characters in Green Wing because yep. she's just so sad and she's got <laughs> loads of children. And oh, I love her. And then there's um, Patterson Joseph, who's also in Peep Show. Yes, he plays Johnson in Peep Show. <laughs> And there's lots of funny bits, and is sometimes it's quite disgusting. Um, yeah. The doctor Alan Statham, uh, Markeep, is in love with uh, the um, liaison officer. Yeah, the sort of human resources. Human resources, yeah. and she like doesn't like Haywood. Yeah, and she doesn't like people, and she's horrible to everyone. The f- some of the things they make her do in that show, yeah, are disgusting. <laughs> They're terrible. And it's amazing. Like she, she should have more recognition yeah. for what she does in Green Wing. The physical Definitely. comedy that her and Mark yeah. Keep pull off. But Mark Keep's background is he started off in um, circus acts and stuff. He's kind of oh, like okay. he does. He does a few juggling bits and stuff like that in in yeah. Green Wing, where you can really see that that was his mm. background. Pippa Haywood, I, I don't, I don't know, but I assume she didn't necessarily have that background. But she meets him every single time in these scenes that they yeah. have together, and it, she is incredible in that yeah. show. Yeah, incredible. But I, I just, I just, I just love the comedy in it. I love the bizarre comedy in it. Uh, at one point, one of the secretaries, which I can't remember her name, uh, one of the scenes I'll always remember. She like weighs her boobs oh, to yeah. see <laughs> her boobs. Let's be adult. She weighs her breasts to see how much it would cost to send them. Yeah, it's just, it's just funny. And 
I, I love it. I love Green Wing. And I, I watched a, a few episodes in this week just to see if I could just still like it. And I do. It's just something that, like, spaced. I, I think I'll, I, I, also because it was only two seasons. Yeah. I think it just ended at a right moment. I and definitely did. did. I mean, I, I actually watched all of it um, earlier in lockdown. Um, mm. And I hadn't watched it, like, basically since it was on. Yeah, and it's it it so holds up. It is so so yeah. good, but it definitely yeah. the second series is not as strong as the first series. No, absolutely not. But so it's still I'm good. It, yeah, it's still good, but it just it yeah. doesn't quite. A, a couple of characters seem to leave it, and and yeah. it takes some odd story choices. So they definitely ended it at the right point. Yeah, um, because it is it is nigh on perfect, especially the first series. Is the first yeah. series is perfect? The second series perfect. is like close yeah. to perfect. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's just it completely. Aged well, the comedy is gold. The yeah. characters are bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's really really good. And I thought I have to put it in because yeah. if not, it would have been just like new comedy. And I thought Green Wing has. Have you ever watched uh, Friday Night Dinner? Yes, yeah. I love Friday Night Dinner. <laughs> it's got that's another Mark Heap and Tamsin Greg. Is so good, but. Yeah. I, since leaving the UK, I haven't been able to watch it, so I don't know ah. what's happening to it. But oh, it's um, really, the most I, recent I, series was brilliant. You should, uh, well, not as good was, as, but pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think I think Green Wing definitely is British gold. Yeah, no, I'm glad you've put that in because it's a bit. Yeah. It's not quite as talked about as some of the stuff. It's slightly mm. more forgotten, but it is it is great. Yeah. And each episode's an hour long. It's crazy how watchable mm. it is for like. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like you're sitting down for an hour. Yeah. What's your number four? Um, okay, my number four is sort of. It, it, it took my northern comedy spot from the League of Gentlemen in a way. I, I adore the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, definitely in my honourable mentions. But there's a, there's definitely a comedy. From up north, that I had to put in my top five because uh, it's another one that I rewatched uh, recently, and it it so holds up. I could watch it over and over and over and over mm. again, and never be bored of it. And it uh, and I quote it all the time. It is Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights. <laughs> Have you seen it, Alex? Yeah. What do you think of it? I just don't get it. <laughs> Okay, let let be let's be fair. When yeah. it came out, when did it come out? Um, it's another one. It's like two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. two thousand one. Yeah. So I just arrived in England. Yeah. And I watched it on TV when it was out. Yeah. And I just didn't get it. No, I was it's... like, who's this guy? Why is he playing everybody? Why he is plays he in a two wheelchair? Characters. Yeah, no, but for me, I was tragic. You know, I was 17. I was like 16. I was like tragic. Um, who is he? And I did not get it. And since then, I haven't watched it. So I didn't, I didn't know. So yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion really. It's funny because I watched it when it was originally on and loved it. And it was on at around the same time as The Office. Mm. And obviously The Office kind of took over the UK for when that was on. Like people were obsessed yeah. with it. And I remember being in school and being like, why is everyone talking about The Office? What's, what about Phoenix Knights? Phoenix Knights is better. <laughs> um, it's, it's created by Peter Kay, Neil Fitzmaurice, who plays Jeff in Peep Show. Mm. He wrote Phoenix Knights. And Dave Spikey plays uh, Jerry St. Clair in yeah. Phoenix Knights. It is, a, it is set in a working men's club <laughs> in Bolton in Greater Manchester. Yeah. And kind of follows the adventures of the various people that work in this club and help run it. Chiefly, Brian Potter, played by Peter Kay, and Joe St. Clair, played by Dave Spikey, kind of the two lead characters. 
Uh, and then they had breakout characters were Max and Paddy, the two bouncers. One again played by Peter Kay, Max, and mm. Paddy played by Paddy McGuinness, who has gone on to be an irritating dating show host, but never mind. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, and and the episodes are, I don't know, it just, it makes me laugh so much. There's bits where, like, the, the one I quote all the time is, <laughs> there's a scene where they're, it's like grand opening night for the club. The two bouncers have been given headsets to wear and Max goes off to get chips and there's a bit where he comes past on the bus and you can hear him in the headset saying to Paddy, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> I'm on the bus, I'm on the bus, hey! It just makes me laugh so much. And then he goes off to get the fish and chips and he's in the uh, um, fish and chip shop and the guy's saying, oh, do you want, do you want, <laughs> do you want salt and vinegar? And he goes on the headset to Paddy. Some vinegar, Paddy, and Paddy's like, yeah, yeah, and some ketchup, please, some red sauce. And he goes, oh, yeah, and some red sauce. And the guy just goes, ah, red sauce, red sauce, yeah, yeah, red sauce. And he <laughs> packages up the fish and chips without putting any ketchup on it and hands it to him. And Peter Kay just sort of points at the chips of the ketchup bottle and just is like, and it just, it's such a little moment. And it just, every single time I see it, it just makes me cry with laughter. And then there's a bit where he comes back. And he's running back with this fish and chips and he trips over a thing and falls down and Paddy's just going, he's brought them and he's dropped them. Oh, and it just, it's, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, but it, it makes me laugh yeah. so, so much. And I could never get bored of it. And Peter Kay's become a little bit of a, I don't know. He's still funny. Uh, he did Car mm. Share recently that was that was pretty good. But like a lot of his, and I used to love his stand-up and I've kind of gone off it a little bit because a lot of it is so... You can kind of criticise it and boil it down to just being like, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember Teletext? That was funny, wasn't it? Do you remember Do you remember Cheesecake? And it kind of, I don't know, I laughed at the time, but nowadays it doesn't quite get me mm. in the same way. But Phoenix Knights still holds up and is definitely his, like, masterpiece. Uh, along with, uh, you know, Neil Fitzmaurice and Dave Spikey absolutely should be, um, you know, recognised as well for, for, for writing it with him and mm. creating it. And, uh and yeah, I'd love to see you give it another go, but it's really difficult to watch nowadays. It doesn't show up much on streaming stuff, mm. and uh, the DVDs are sort of out of print. So I I keep my DVD copies under lock and key because uh, <laughs> I need to have them on hand whenever I feel like watching it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So 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 yeah, and it's uniquely northern. It it kind of represents mm. kind of the area of the world that I'm from, and uh, yeah. yeah. Well, because I used to, because I used to watch it with my uncle, and he's kind of northern, and yeah. he loved it, and I just didn't get it at all. Because <laughs> I just came to, I just arrived in England, just going, ah, oh, I find Forty Towers funny. That's the kind of comedy I was stuck in, you know, Forty <laughs> Towers. Yeah, and uh, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get why it was funny. Also, I didn't understand the accent. Yeah, it's quite. You've got it. Yeah, it's yeah. quite difficult to follow. Maybe if you're not used to that yeah. accent. Um, if anyone does watch it and they like it and they want a bit more of it, don't be tempted to watch the spin-off, Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere. It is awful. Okay. It is irredeemably terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't bother. I don't know what went wrong there, but it was not good. Oh, no. Yeah, sadly. And the second series, Phoenix Knights, again, similar to Green Ring, was only two series long, and the second series kind of ends up doing some stuff to set up this spin-off series that I just wish mm. they hadn't bothered with. But never mind, it's still yeah. good. Um, and there's also uh, there's an amazing UK comedian called Daniel Kitson who almost never does television, and it's one of the mm. few times you'll get to see him um, pop up in anything. Yeah, okay, good. What's your number three? 
My <coughs> number three. Thank you, G. For You're welcome, four. Alex. Uh, <laughs> my uh, number three is a sitcom. Mm -hmm. uh, I think mainly, I, I think I mainly have comedy. Yeah, uh, kind of. Um, created by Michaela Cole, uh, called Chewing Gum. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it was. It was. Uh, this series was based on uh, her 2012 play called Chewing Gum Dreams, mm -hmm. and uh, it, she created it and she stars in it, Michaela Cole. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a. Uh, it's uh, It's set in London. Yeah. And it follows Tracy, the main character, uh, yeah. played by Michaela Cole. Uh, she's a 24-year-old uh, virgin from a very religious family mm -hmm. uh, who wants to have sex okay. <laughs> and learn more about the world. And it's just it's just funny. And it, the, relationship it, the relationships in it are really interesting. And it's, it's set in a council estate in London mm. and how everybody's kind of intertwined in this council estate and how everybody lives in it. And I think it's brilliant. It's uh, really, really good. And it, it it does push boundaries and it does show uh, like a different side of maybe uh, somebody that comes from a religious family that doesn't really accept that kind of pressure of religion. Yeah. And um, yeah, and her trying to navigate through life, really. And it's really, really good. And I love Michaela Cole. I love her. She's. Um, I started watching uh, Black Earth Rising on Netflix, and she hasn't she hasn't written it, but she is amazing in it. I think she's an all round incredible artist in everything. So, chewing gum definitely something to watch. Okay, that's my number three. Nice, it's on my list. Good. Good. Boom. Okay. My number three, then. Yeah. So my number three is a little bit of a repeat, in a way, because last week at number five, I had Veep. This yeah. week at number three, I am popping the UK original, The Thick of It. Yeah. Oh, we're now into it. We're now into, like, absolute untouchable gold for me. Yeah. Um, These top three shows are, like, the three pillars of what I enjoy. <laughs> you see okay. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I adore the thick of it. It is uh, created by Armando Iannucci, who is an absolute titan of British comedy. He's done the day to day. He did uh, I'm Alan Partridge, uh, and knowing me, knowing you, of Alan Partridge, he went into America and did Veep. Mm. Uh, he made the In the Loop. He made the Death of Stalin. Mm, he yeah. did the Armando Iannucci shows, which were a series of uh, it was one series of sketch shows on Channel Four in two thousand and one. And that is really forgotten, but very, very, very funny sketch show that more people should watch. He is so good, and his 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 the best thing that he has produced for me, directly produced, um, is the thick of it. I mm. love this show. It is a British political satire. Um, it's very, very. It's kind of improvised. The cast in it are, are great. Kind of the shining light that people really go on about is Peter Capaldi, who plays Malcolm Tucker, uh, the mm. sort of spin doctor. It's based in the Department for Social Affairs, uh, which is a government department that doesn't really exist, and kind of follows the minister for that department. Which in the first two series is played by Chris Langham, who is an actor that is 
has had controversy in his personal life regarding mm. um, uh, really deeply unpleasant things, and he's not a very good person, and you should probably avoid a lot of his work. But, uh, okay. The thick of it is, I don't know, I can't not watch the thick of it, so you just have to mm. kind of accept it. But I can't remember the name of the MP that he... Hugh Abbott. He plays Hugh Abbott. Mm. And his kind of main staff are Glenn and Ollie. Uh, Ollie is played by Chris Addison, and I forget who plays Glenn, but he's very funny yeah. as well. And there's a bunch of other characters in it and actors and stuff, and it's just... And it kind of moves through. So the first two series are only three episodes in each series, mm. uh, following Hugh Abbott. And then uh, Chris Langham left the show, and they did two special episodes that just follow sort of Peter Capaldi and a bunch of other characters uh, that were like an hour long each. And then they did a third series where they bring in Rebecca Front uh, to mm. play a uh, a new MP to lead the department called Nicola Murray, and she is very funny. You might have seen her in Alan Partridge and other things mm. over the years. She's 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 fantastic. Uh, and then the fourth series uh, sort of continues, the, the third series um, continues that plot line, but starts to bring in the opposition party more. Or the third series brings in the opposition as well, and the fourth series sort of balances them, and you kind of get to see both sides of, of yeah. politics. Um, but the main thing is it's just endlessly quotable, very, very, very <laughs> funny, and um, it just it just makes me laugh so much. Every single episode makes me, makes me laugh, particularly the two-hour-long specials, um, are like two of the greatest episodes of TV I've, I think I've ever seen, and yeah, I love it. Have you ever watched it, Alex? Uh, no, no, I've never watched it. Like I, I, I've heard great reviews of it. I, but I've never watched it. Uh, like I, I heard it's great. It um, no, no, I think it was a situation. I think they did not come out just a few years before we went to Japan. Um, it kind of came out. It was really. There was a lot of time between each series of it. So the first mm. series of it was actually in 2005. Okay. But then the last series oh. aired in 2012. So over those Pardon. seven years, they did four series. Okay. Like, I completely missed missed it. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm not forced, not on purpose. I completely missed it. I think the first series originally was on BBC Four. Yeah. Mm. Because it was kind yeah. of this sort of slightly more, I don't know, it, it didn't really... It wasn't like mainstream comedy in a way. They weren't really yeah. sure about it. So they put it on BBC Four. And I watched yeah. it because I love Armando Inucci and was excited about it. But I think it didn't really get seen until um, the third and fourth series came out. Yeah, so I think, I think I, I didn't do it on purpose. I just, I just, I've heard amazing things about it, but yeah. I never actually focused on it. So, some of yeah. some of Malcolm Tucker's rants, uh, Peter Capaldi goes on, mm. are just will have just yeah. make me cry with laughter I, just, <laughs> I love it and it's very it's very cynical in a way about politics mm. you know years ago there was yeah. a sitcom called yes minister which was quite quite cynical yeah. for the time about politics but thick of it really just i mean it shows the reality of politics in a, in a really quite uh harsh light and um yeah it's almost sad at times to think that that's kind of what what is being portrayed in the thick of it is sort of what happens in the real world to a degree but yeah with so, so so well done and so fiercely funny that you can't help but kind of laugh at it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 my bit on the thick of it. It's great. People should watch it if they haven't seen it. It's generally available on Netflix, I think, um, around places. Uh, yeah, it's not that difficult to watch the thick of it normally. So yeah, people should check it out. Definitely. No, I definitely want to watch it. I want to watch Veep as well. Yes, Veep is Veep yeah. is very good, but the thick of it is uh, better. 
Good, good. Mm. Fantastic. Very nice. What's cool. your so number two? So we're up to the number two. Mm-hmm. Two's. <laughs> my number two. Uh, so yes, so my number two is a newish, com- a newish comedy. Uh, a recent um, TV series. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a comedy drama. Okay. And it's uh, created by Laurie Nunn. And it's called Sex Education. Oh, okay. Yes. With Gillian Anderson. Is it that one? Yeah, yeah, it's with Gillian Anderson. <clears throat> yeah. So uh so yeah, it stars Gillian Anderson as uh the mother of one of the main characters, um uh which uh his name I can't remember. What's his name? Doesn't matter. Otis. Otis. So yeah, Gillian Anderson uh, plays uh, Otis's mother, and Otis uh, is a teenager. Um, she's a sex therapist, so she's very open talking mm. about sex and everything. And uh, her son Otis kind of has some maybe issues with that, and issues with talking about sex in general. Uh, but yeah, it's set in uh, in a high school uh, in, well, it's kind of looks like sixth form college, but it's kind of a high school. Right. And um, Otis and his uh, friend, um, Eric, uh, decide to start a sex therapy, uh, kind of underground sex therapy clinic in the school. Right, okay. Uh yeah, so basically, is that is the plot, and uh, there's um, it's really interesting because it starts kind of um, when it starts, I was like the first episode, I was a bit off it because there's a lot of, I don't know, it didn't seem very interesting. Yeah. But I think the first episode is definitely one to watch, but then when you carry on watching it, it just develops into a really interesting uh, comedy drama about kids. And adults uh, having issues with sex, right? Yeah, and it. I think. I think. I think it's really good. Um, what I like about it is like the settings. Um, you're not really sure where they are, so they're supposed to be in England, but it doesn't look like an English high school. Yeah. It and there's sixth form age, so they're in sixth form, and but it could be in America, it could be in England, it could be America. Yeah. The clothes they wear are not really. Uh, contemporary clothes so it could be like any time between the 60s and now okay um the the characters throughout the the series develop in an amazing way and friendships start friendships end uh and i find it really really interesting and really really good because it i had no idea that it was british yeah because it doesn't look british no but it doesn't look American. It it's just in an ambiguous world because I think anybody can relate to it. Yeah, but because it's on Netflix, I just assumed it was American. I think. No, yeah, but it's not. Um, and it just it took it just shows confusion with sex with you know that this age and the expectations that people have uh, at this point homosexuality, uh, the fear of it. Uh, problems with adults um, and not understanding the kids. Um, it just becomes a very well-told story of these teenagers going through life. 
basically. That's what I love, don't I? I love navigation through life. You do. Uh, slice yeah, of life, baby. Uh, a slice of life, baby. But it's funny. It's uh, interesting. I love. I love how it looks, and I think it's a really, really good series. And I keep trying to sell it to people, and nobody wants to watch it, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> And I keep saying sex education, people, sex education. And I really, really like it. And um, it was I, just really good. Okay. There's only only been two seasons out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, hopefully there should be a new one, another one in 2021. Uh, if, uh, you know, life starts again. Cool. Um, but it's very, very good. I like it. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think I assumed it was for teenagers and Americans. So I sort of didn't watch it because of that but you've sort of sold it so yeah i'll give it a go yeah yeah and it's on netflix it's readily available and um how long is each episode i think it's about 45 Uh, minutes get out of my life you made me watch twin peaks (laughs) the first episode was an hour and a half oh but it's perfect yeah but what i like is just the fact that get it gets better and better and i think okay. that's what i you know, sometimes like i said with series it doesn't and the first episode is amazing and then you carry on watching it and you mm. go oh but here the first episode i really did not enjoy right because well, i i just it's just not something that i wanted to see and sometimes um now i believe sex scenes are fine in my opinion if you want to do them but sometimes i think we go too far yeah and i think they're not a necessity. Yeah, yeah, they shouldn't be and just gratuitous. Exactly. And sometimes I feel for the actors, fine, you want to do it, but do you really want to do it? Is that something that you want to do or are you doing it because you want the role? Mm. And I feel sometimes that they they shouldn't be too too much. Not because I'm prudish, I don't want to see it, I don't, I don't care. But I think about the people that are watching it and the people that are actually acting it. How mm. are they feeling? Are they okay with this? Yeah, no, it's a fair um, point. And especially because they're young, I was thinking, oh, maybe. Uh, but then, but then it develops into other things. I think it's definitely something that young young adults should watch mm. because I think it's informative. Yeah, my yeah. number two. My number two is uh, a bit of an obvious choice in a way, but there's no way we could do this list for me and not have this be on there because, like I said, we're into it. We're into it now with things that are iconic for me. Can I guess it? Go on. Alan Partridge. No. Oh, okay. No, don't know. <laughs> Peep show. Peep show. Is it? Yes. Ah. Oh! Broadcast yeah. on Channel Four, starting in 2003, ending its epic run in 2015 nine mm. series of absolute perfection follows the lives of uh two flatmates mark corrigan and jeremy mm. osborne mark is sort of buttoned up has a nine-to-five job uh quite sign of socially anxious guy um yeah. jez or jeremy or jez is much more mm. sort of laid back and chill musician just sort of floating through life without much ambition um yeah that's kind of the setup. The kind of unique thing for Peep Show is that every single shot is filmed from a character's point of view. Yeah. So, and you hear, you always are hearing either Jeremy or Mark's internal monologue reaction mm. to what's going on in scenes. Um, but the point of view can be any character that's in the room kind of thing, that whose eyes you're seeing through, but you're always seeing through somebody's eyes, which makes it quite a unique thing. Um, I watched it when it started. 
all the way through to when it ended. I've always been there with Peep Show, and it, it was kind of the first thing. It was probably the first comedy that I discovered on my own that hadn't been recommended to me by my parents in any way. It probably wasn't the very first one, actually, but it was one of those early ones where I kind of was mm. like, this is mine, this belongs to my generation, and it is kind of for me. Yeah. Um, when it started, I was, what, 2003? I'd have been about 15 when it started. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it. I adore it completely. Um, I watch it now, and mm. it is like slipping comfortably into mm. a warm bath. It is, <laughs> it is the most comfortable, relaxing calming warm thing i can watch nowadays because i just i know every line and every Mm. single moment of it is kind of imprinted on my brain so when i really want to turn off and just have something on that i can enjoy without any kind of like need to think about it i will put peep show on um and it still makes me laugh it still makes me Mm. laugh i was watching yeah it just still makes me laugh i've recently rewatched it from the start again just just to (laughs) just to watch it again uh and i've kind of i'm on the last series now uh, and it's great, and similar to Green Wing, it features Olivia Coleman, but in a really big role playing Sophie, yeah. Mark's Mark's first, the one of many, the yeah. ones that he kind yeah. of works his way through. <laughs> yeah. um, she is great in it. She kind of has to play a few different characters because throughout the series, Sophie is changed um, yeah. for the worse by Mark's horrible behaviour. He's not a nice yeah. person. And <clears> she ends <throat> yep. up kind of as this broken th- person as well. And yeah. um Olivia Coleman just plays it perfectly. Like they were so yeah, lucky to amazing. get her. Um, yeah. It also features Neil Fitzmaurice as Jeff, mm. um, one of Mark's uh, colleagues who he doesn't get on with and is a bit of a love rival in the early days. Um, and it's just an awful person. Um, Matt King plays Superhands, uh, Jeremy's yeah. friend and bandmate, <laughs> who every yeah. whose every single line is hilarious. Yes. Um, <laughs> this crack is Moorish. Yeah, exactly. Iconic lines like "This crack is really Moorish." from super hands but then you know uh, just endless endlessly funny lots of great one-off characters as well uh, one-off episodes and um some people think it kind of flagged a bit towards the end as a character called dobby that seems quite decisive amongst mm. the fan base some people really don't like her i think she's great yeah. i think she adds a really yeah. good new kind of twist to it all and is a new type of kind of love interest for mark and um mm. And yeah, I think maybe the very last series doesn't quite hit the way that the first few do, but I still mm. think it's great. Um, and yeah, you've seen it. I'm sure, I know you've seen it. So I loved Peep Show. Yeah, but I think <clears throat> it just went on for too long. Um, fair. I just I just lost interest after a while. I think I watched up to season five, maybe. Yeah. And then, and in fact, I nearly put it on my list because it's so iconic. And like you, I started watching it from day one. And uh, I was in my, I think I was 19 or something. Yeah. And I, I loved it. But then I started, it just, for me, I just started losing interest. And then I stopped watching it yeah. completely. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I can't just put it in for the first because I don't know where it went and sometimes they don't go in the right direction and it kind of ruins a series but maybe I'm being too particular I think it ends pretty well I think ser- there's yeah. nine series I think series eight is probably the weakest overall okay um, but oh, it, I had a similar thing where I kind of well because it finished in 2015 and we were living in Japan by that point and yeah. I think definitely the last couple of series I didn't watch as they went out yeah. And was met, but I then there was a point where I decided to catch up and watch it all and I think as a complete mm. run for me it works and but that's because I find it so relaxing that I I don't mind watching it 10 times. I, I could watch it again and yeah. again and again and still 
kind of find stuff to laugh in it, especially in those last couple of seasons. Um, okay. That's a bit where Mark tries to get a book published called Business Secrets of the Pharaohs. <laughs> Oh my um, goodness! He, 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 they spell his name wrong on the cover, and <laughs> where Jeremy's just like, "I'm going to say two words to you, Mark. I don't want you to get angry at me." Vanity publishing, and even that just makes me just makes me laugh. Uh yeah, it's good. It's good, and I agree. It's uh, oh, and uh, uh, Patterson Joseph, who plays Johnson, we shouldn't we should yeah. mention Johnson. Is, Johnson is so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one, there's an episode so where Mark's really ill. Jeremy's having a party. He doesn't want oh. Mark to freak everyone out because of his party. So he like, yeah. Mark goes into the bathroom to do a poo, and Jeremy yeah. locks him in. And Mark has to ring jo- um, Johnson to come around and get yeah. him out. And Johnson comes in and breaks his door down. And Mark's just sat on the toilet. And Johnson's just like, "Is that normal pooing you're doing, Mark?" <laughs> That's an incredible scene. It's so so funny. So good. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm sure if, if people are listening to this podcast, they chances are they know what they think about Peep Show, but in case you've never watched it, uh, watch it. It's the best. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's innovative, I think. It is innovative, yes. Yes. What's Love your number one? Number one. Number one is a very recent addition for me. Well, recent from last year. It's a comedy drama created. Stop. Can I guess what you're going to say? Yeah. I think I know what you're going to say. Okay, go. Fleabag. Yes! How do you know? Because everyone loves Fleabag. Oh. No, sorry. That makes me sound like I'm sort of negging on your choice. Sorry, that's not what I mean. Oh, okay. But well, uh, no, it's because okay, th- it was in my head because uh, you know earlier you were talking about chewing gum, yeah, and how it's based on a play that she did, and yeah, then she made it into a TV show, and yeah. it ran for two series, and it yeah. was perfect. Yeah, couldn't you describe Fleabag in ex- the exact same way? Yeah, not to say it's the same in any way at all. Obviously, that's two the thing. Totally that's things, what I was going to say. It's also based on a play, and anyway, so I you go. Choose... It's your choice. Well, I had to choose between Fleabag and chewing gum. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't cho- choose. Yeah. I couldn't. So I put them both. Okay. I put them both. Okay. And that's it. Uh, because I think they're both good, but both so different. Like maybe the basics are the same. Like the, the, the base is the same, mm. but the, the, it, they're totally different. Um, they, they both break the fourth wall. Yes. Uh, in the characters. But yeah, uh, so let's talk about Fleabag. It's uh, created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's an incredible person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based, like we said, on her a one-woman show that she performed in Edinburgh. Um, and it's um, a story about Fleabag. She hasn't got a name. She's Fleabag. Uh, she has no filter. <laughs> uh, she... She lives in London and trying to cope with life and tragedy. And uh, she's angry. She's confused. Uh, she doesn't care about anything or hurting anyone. And uh, she's amazing. Okay. Uh, but she doesn't care, but she does care. And that's that's the thing. Um, so um, I... Is, hang on. I know, Sorry. Yeah. Somebody else that we're going to bring up that we've brought up repeatedly. She's yeah. the greatest living actor, probably, because we've brought her up so many times today. Olivia Coleman's in Fleabag, isn't she? 
Olivia Coleman is in Fleabag and she's one of the best things about Fleabag. Because she's the best thing in anything she does. She she's is perfect. Amazing. She's a perfect she's person. She's so good. Yeah. She's so good. Uh, but yeah, um, so she doesn't care about anything on, on, the, on surface, but um, she's actually like really complex and uh, trying to cope with life and uh, her business and death. Yeah. And um, her father is in a relationship with with this woman, Olivia Corman, who is absolutely awful, <laughs> awful in every sense. And you just go, what? Um, like Jenny and working uh, moms. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very well written. It's funny. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. And the more you learn about the characters, the more you fall in love with them. Um it's it's really good. The fir- the two seasons are amazing, and uh, their the development of characters is beautiful. Mm. And um, she often, like in chewing gum, she often breaks the fourth wall and she talks to you, and just to tell you that you need to be on her side and how how you feel. And um, she has she kind of comments on things that are happening. It's good. It's really, really good, and the hype is real. Okay, it's it's totally amazing. Okay, it's so good. Okay, and I know it's it's got similar things to chewing gum, but it's completely two different things, completely two different entities, and it just shows how incredible these two writers are yeah. that had similar ideas, but similar ideas on how to portray things, something maybe. Totally two different opposite polar opposites. Okay, but I was thinking, should I put them both in? And I feel like they're both two se- series that stand separately. Yeah, of course. I wasn't trying to lump them together earlier. It just it's interesting to me because I didn't. Just like I didn't to know. Judge me, Mister G. Not at all. I didn't know that about chewing gum. But I do know that about Fleabag. So when you were describing mm. that chewing gum, I was like, oh, it's kind of in my head. I was thinking it's very similar to Fleabag. Yeah. Yeah. Only in yeah. its inception, not not in its um how it plays yeah. out. Uh, yeah. I have seen two episodes of Fleabag, mm. and I didn't like it. And okay. I know everyone loves it, and I really want to like it and support it. And I, it's on my list of the thing I need to like give another chance to. I didn't like it because the character. And I don't know if this is intended or or if I was just reading it wrong, but like, she seems to be really complaining about her lot in life. But from my perspective, because I'm quite self-indulgent, I guess, I was a bit like, her life seems better than my life. Why is she complaining about her life so much? But obviously we all have different experiences in life and Mm. like, it's not right to judge somebody in that way. And it's probably, it shows difficult stuff happening to her and having to live through difficult stuff. But I was a bit like, she has Mm. a business and she seems to live in a house and I, mm. I I don't know. I just felt a bit like it was a bit kind of like quite self-indulgent, it seemed. But I know that everyone, everyone loves it. And especially the second series, people yeah. go crazy about it. And it broke in America. America loves it. Like, I'm probably the only living being organism on the planet that hasn't seen mm. Fleabag and, loves, and loved it. So I should watch it, I guess. Well, you don't have to like something because everybody likes no, it. No, 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 no. But I feel like she doesn't complain about her life. I feel like she's got an actual problem. She's she's suffering. 
Possibly, I just that's not. And the... I don't think she, she. I don't think she complains. I think she's just a person that is suffering, and to cope with her suffering, she just does horrible things. Yeah, maybe. And she treats people in a horrible way. Maybe that's that's and what I got from the first two episodes. I think you should. I think you should like give it like a chance. The first see episode seems more like seem more like people treating her horribly rather than her treating other people horribly. Okay, yeah. Like, there's um, a bit where I, I she's think... in her cafe. Yeah. And there's a guy that wants to, is in there just to use the plug to charge his laptop. Yeah. And she's like, do you want anything to drink? He's like, oh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Mm. And it was a bit like, I don't know. I didn't know where it was going. I should, I, I, I think I was probably unfair to it um, and should give it another go. Well, the characters develop in an amazing way, I feel. And I think it gets better and better. Okay. And I think that's why it's so good. Cool. But, you know, you don't have to like something because everybody likes no, it. No, no, not I, at all. But I, I love it. I haven't. I genuinely love it. And I, yeah. And I didn't realise everybody did. When something gets really popular and people like it mm. a lot, I definitely, I have an impulse where I like to have seen it or read it or absorbed it so that I can have it. Yeah. A, so that I, yeah. know, I can kind of can understand it, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And I which is why I've read all of the Twilight books. Ugh. Yeah. Why? Because I wanted to understand why people liked it so much. And I still I don't, don't, but never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I don't want to watch Fleabag because then I want to be able to say, oh, I love it. But I have a feeling mm. that if I do watch all of it, I probably would really like it. But also, I just want to have a better understanding of why people like it so much. All right. Okay. So, yeah, that's another cool. number one choice. I feel like I, I was quite unfair at the start of that by... You- Pooed on it. Yeah, by pooing on your choice. I do apologise. Thank you. Sorry. G. I'm going to poo all over your choice. Oh, please don't. Okay, is it time for my number one? Yeah! Number one, top British TV show. Okay. Yeah. So mine is, you already guessed it before, actually, so we might as well just get into it. Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge, which is quite. I've I've put it down specifically as I'm Alan Partridge, which is a, oh, yes, a I'm Alan sitcom Partridge, that ran sorry. for two. No, no, because you're right to say Alan Partridge, because for me, really, it is the character of Alan Partridge, played by Steve Coogan, who mm. first appeared on our screens in the day to day in the early '90s as a sports broadcaster on a um, sports journalist on a um, mm. satirical news show. Then got his own chat show called Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge. Mm. Then had a behind-the-scenes sitcom made called I'm Alan Partridge that followed his personal life where he lived in a travel tavern. Then they made a second series of I'm Alan Partridge where it showed him living in a caravan. Then he went away for a little while and I can't remember what happened first, but they did a film called Alpha Papa where Mm. he suffers a siege. Oh, he he had a radio show as well earlier on. Then they did with Sky, they did a couple of documentaries. One of them was called uh, Welcome to the Place of My Life, where he told people around Norwich. Then he did a radio TV <laughs> series thing called Mid-Morning Matters on Sky. It's mm. really funny. He did another fake documentary called Scissored Isle, which is great. And he's done two books. Uh, one was one is a biography and one is called... Oh, what's it called? It's, um, it's kind of a, uh, a parody of kind of j- travel books. And I, yeah. Nomad, it's called Nomad. Uh, and he's done audiobooks for them where he read it in character. Mm. And 
Then last year, he finally returned to the BBC with a comedy called This Time with Alan Partridge, which was a sort of parody mm. of stuff like The One Show or Good Morning Britain, stuff like that. It's like a kind of magazine show. And as recently as this very week, he released a podcast um, competing directly with us, I think, called From the Oast House, which is a mm. podcast. It's like an Alan Partridge podcast, but it's actually only available on, on Audible. So you either have to get a free trial and use a credit or buy it on Audible. Mm. And they released it all at once. So really, it's just an audio book, but it's like a podcast parody. Um, Mm. But yeah, we're free. Culture Book is free. So that's a point in our favour. And uh, From the Oast House is only six (laughs) hours long. We've already done way more than six hours of content. So I think we're better than the podcast. But anyway, that's the sort of quick history of everything that Alan Partridge has been in and done. And mm. it is collectively, as a as a piece of work, one like probably second only to Twin Peaks in terms of my like favorite things is that I mm. love Alan Partridge, and kind of what I will put up as being the prime example of perfect Partridge is the first series of I'm Alan Partridge where he is living mm. in a travel tavern, um, because his wife has left him, uh, yeah. but his travel tavern the the the, the Brilliant thing about the Travel Tavern is it is equidistant between London and Norwich, which allows him to work in both London and Norwich. Um, yeah, I really love it. Steve Coogan has kind of created an all-time amazing character that has kind of changed mm. as he has aged and isn't quite the mm. same today as he was back in the 90s, but he's still very, very funny. Um, but yeah, I'm Alan Partridge had input from Armando Inucci, kind of helped create it along with a few mm. other people. Uh, it has uh, an amazing cast. Felicity Montague plays his uh, long-suffering assistant, Lynn, uh, <laughs> yeah. who kind of follows him around and has to do his every whim. And it's got kind of this, the hotel staff are really funny. You've got Geordie, the, uh, not Geordie, Michael, the work Geordie, and mm. um, the receptionists and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just very, very funny. It's just very good, well-written parody of sort of vapid celebrity culture. Mm. It makes me laugh. What do you think about Alan Partridge? It seems to me to be a very uniquely British thing, so I'd be interested in your take on it. It is definitely not my cup of tea. (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah. I don't. I never... I just remember watching it with friends, and they were just finding it hilarious, and I was like, I don't get it. And maybe I would get it now. 17 years later but I don't think I want to get it now (laughs) I I don't particularly like Steve Coogan as a comedian okay I don't like his comedy okay because in the sense that okay so Alan Partridge is is supposed to be really funny but he's really mean not mean but it's got this really bad character and I feel like Steve Coogan is the same that was... and I'm not sure if he's acting or he is like that and I just can't and because Alan Partridge is so Steve Coogan yeah I can't separate them and so when I see Steve Coogan I feel like of Alan Partridge and I kind of have this kind of aversion it's a weird to... thing with Steve Coogan where he is kind of known as being a bit of a idiot um and you kind of have to, because he tried to break America and he got kind of famous and became a bit of a tabloid mm. sensation, uh, went out with Courtney Love and people like that and stuff. And it's all yeah. quite odd. Um, 
But I feel like he's kind of, especially recently, he's kind of realised mm. that Alan Partridge is his best thing. Yeah. And that's why he's kind of gone back to doing it quite a bit. And it's definitely, mm. it's it, he's not a nice man. It's mm. not a comedy where you're kind of laughing and enjoying it in terms of like yeah. liking the people in it. But it's just so well, for me, it's so well performed and so well observed mm. in terms of like, there are kind of regional radio DJs who think they're really yeah. big and kind of uh, mm. behave in that way. And, it, you know, like Tony Blackburn, for example, is in his, I, I, actually, oh, I don't yeah, listen yeah. to him <laughs> too much, but like, yeah, that kind of celebrity exists. And mm. I think that Alan Partridge is a really funny kind of take on yeah. that. Um, and Steve Coogan's, you know, I, I really like his comedy. He did a series as well that should be in my honourable mentions called The Trip. Uh, where mm, he's playing oh, yeah, himself. I've seen that one. Um, yeah. And I really liked that yeah. as well. See, that's the thing. I watched that one and I was like, you're not likable. Yeah. So I was thinking, are you playing a character? No. Or uh, is it you? And that's the thing. I just, and also I find Alan Partridge quite cringy. Yeah, it's definitely cringe comedy. And kind of like, oh, I don't want to watch this because there are actually people like that yeah. that are cringy. And it's, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure it's grace, but I it's not my thing. And it kind of, I found it really frustrating mm. as well that I didn't get the jokes. Yeah, that's fair. And, a lot of it is the uh, jokes are more in terms of the way he's delivering lines and the way he's saying things rather yeah, than like obvious yeah. jokes. So it can definitely be an acquired taste. Yeah. When he goes, Dan, is it Dan? Yeah, Dan, 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 Dan. Yeah. Um, he, but yeah, so... I think Steve Coogan as well kind of owns it a bit in terms of like knowing that his public persona isn't that popular because um, yeah. he did a film a few years ago called 24 Hour Party People. Yes. Have you seen that? Yes. About Tony Wilson. Um, yes. The kind of iconic uh, founder of Factory Records in Manchester. Yeah. Who's sort of beloved. Yeah. But again, he was known for being quite a difficult person to work with. And yeah. the tagline for the film, because Steve Coogan played Tony Wilson, yeah. one of the taglines they used for the film was, I'm going to change a word in this, but you'll you'll know which word I've changed. The tagline yeah. was the biggest idiot in Manchester, played by the second biggest idiot in Manchester. Yeah, because he they just yeah. they're well aware that he's kind of yeah, a difficult yeah. man to like. And it was perfect for that role. Yeah, no, completely because it's perfect. him. It's like him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I have a I have a, I don't really yeah. But um, I've read all the books. I've listened to all the podcasts. I've done everything <laughs> that there can obsessed. be to be. Yeah, I'm obsessed by Alan yeah. Partridge. He is just my kind of number one. Thing. Um, number one yeah, if alan partridge and special agent dale cooper could team up in some way that would that would make my day oh <laughs> <laughs> um cool yeah and okay. that's the number f- top five top five okay so honorable mentions who wants to go first well do you want to run down your list first oh yeah sorry my top five uh number five spaced number four green wing number three chewing gum Number two, sex education. Number one, fleabag. Nice. My top five was number five, Taskmaster. Number four, mm. Phoenix Knights. Number three, The Thick of It. Number two, Peep Show. And number one, I'm Alan Partridge. Brackets, any Alan Partridge stuff. Any Alan Partridge. Yeah. Oh. I heart Alan Partridge. Yes, please. Uh, okay, time for your honourable mentions, Alex. Go. Honourable mentions really quickly. Peep Show. We talked about it before. The IT crowd, phone jacker, amazing prank call comedy. The mighty boosh, really fun. Uh, crashing, 
Oh, which is another Phoebe Waller uh, Bridge. Yeah? Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, Afterlife, new um, series on Netflix by Ricky Gervais. Yep. Killing, Killing Eve, really good. And also the first season, Phoebe Waller Bridge wrote some of it. Yep. Uh, Gavin and Stacey. No, thank you. Uh, I know you don't like it, but I really like it. Amazing thing that I nearly put it in on uh, Dairy Girls. I oh, love yeah. Dairy Girls. I love Dairy Girls. I I just wanted to put them in, but I couldn't. Uh, Sherlock, the one with uh, Cumberbatch. Yep. Black Mirror, really good. Yep. Everything about Black Mirror is amazing. Uh, Black Books. Uh, pulling episodes. Him and her. Charmed? No. Uh, Charlie Brooker's Weekly Wipe. Yeah, yeah. Do you not love it? Yeah, it's great. And then I had to put 40 Towers and Keeping Up Appearances. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Because that's the comedy I grew up with in Italy. Yeah. The English comedy. Yeah. The ones no, I like. I love 40 Towers. 40 Towers should be really be in my top five, but it's just because yeah. there's newer stuff that I've kind of loved more. But yeah. Or not even yeah. more, just newer stuff I've loved. But this is the stuff I love and I could watch it all the time. Okay. We'll put the list anywhere somewhere uh, on Letterboxd. Yes, we will put our yep, so, lists on. Okay. Um, I'm going to just rush through my honourable mentions. Blackadder. Ooh, yes. Only Fools and Horses. Great. Line of Duty, Happy Valley, The League of Gentlemen, Psychoville, Inside Number Nine, Whistle and I'll Come to You, Ghost Watch, oh, yes. Toast of London, Forty Towers, The Mighty Boosh, The Great British Bake Off. Uh-huh. He's so good. Red Dwarf. Yes. The British Empire, which if you haven't seen The British Empire and you like Green Wing, you should watch it because uh, Pippa mm. Haywood, who plays Joanna, uh, the human represent hum- PR mm. Human Resources Lady. She is in, she plays Brit, uh, the wife in the British Empire, and then Chris Barry, who plays Rimmer in Red Dwarf, plays, plays British. And it's a very unseen night, is British comedy that is, is brilliant. So if you can find that and watch it, please do. The British Fantastic. Empire. Is. Green Wing, Friday Night Dinner, Black Books, Keeping Up Appearances, Dad's Army, The Day to Day, Brass Eye, Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, Vic Reeves. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Stuart Lee. Yeah. Yes. Yep. We should do top Sorry. top five stand-up comedians at some point or something together. Yeah. Uh, Vic Reeves' Definitely. Big Night Out, The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer, Bang Bang, It's Reeves and Mortimer, Catterick, <laughs> Shooting Stars, MasterChef, and The Great British Menu. What, they're Whoa. all great. Watch them all. Yes. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Fantastic. Fantastic, homework baby. Time, time for some homework uh, assignments. Yes. Alex, uh, Taskmaster. You have to... Oh, Alex Taskmaster. Yes, you have to watch okay. Taskmaster, please. I, if you can't get it up on any streaming stuff, I'll find YouTube videos of good episodes to send you. Okay. And you have to watch Sex Education. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, because you're going to watch Fleabag and you're probably going to watch a Chewing Gum. But I, I've been telling you about Sex Education for about a year now. Right. And you've been like, yeah, yeah. And you haven't watched no, it. Haven't so watched you have it. to watch it. All right. Okay. Fair enough. And don't just stop at the first episode. Watch a few. Okay. Please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> I watch as much as I can. Watch a few. Okay. Join us. Thank you so much for being with us, everyone. It's been a long, yes, old one. thank you. If you have any opinions on what we've talked about, um, you can find us on Instagram, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, 
You can email us, join our Facebook discussion group. Uh, all the details are in the show notes, and uh, it'll be a pleasure to hear from you. And please come back next week when we will be discussing our top five animated TV shows. Top five animated TV shows. Yes. Oh, in the English spoken language. Yes, English language animated shows. And then we'll do foreign yes. language animated shows post yes. that one. Um, so, yeah, we're not we're not doing British and America separate this time. We're, we're just doing English no. language. So, yeah, there we go. Animated series next time. But for now, thank you so much for being with us. Ooh. It's been our pleasure. If you would like to uh, catch up on any of our lists that we've been doing, you can find our music lists on Spotify. Look for the Culture Bucket account on there and look at our playlists. And you can find our movie and TV lists on letterboxd.com. And again, look for the user Culture Bucket and we will link to those in the show notes as well. Okay, thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.